Welcome back to Normies Like Us, the podcast that reminds you, it's hip to be square. Get ready, carbon-based units, as we return to our ongoing mission to boldly go where we've definitely gone before, the past. Welcome to 2063 with Star Trek First Contact on Normies Like Us. Number one, engage. I am the Borg. Do you control the Borg Collective? Captain Ahab has to go hunt his whale. The line must be drawn here this far, no further. Don't try to be a great man, just be a man. Assimilate this. You heard it up top. We are trekking once again through the stars as we are wont to do as we talk. Can you believe this? The eighth theatrical released. Star Trek motion picture. That's right. I'm talking first contact here on Normies Like Us uh, with your hosts. Um, I don't know, like Lieutenant Colin. I'll just be easy. Uh, I'll be uh, L- Lieutenant Mike Lee. It's, it's, it's great to be here on, on this podcast. <laughs> I knew you would be so yeah. excited to see him. <laughs> He's your one of favorite. Uh-huh. Uh, and this is uh, once again, Captain Jake Luke Picard. At your All right. First contact. Thank you, Captain, for leading us once again on this journey. Eight movies in our ongoing wow. mission to watch and review all of the Star Trek motion pictures. And now we're, we're into the TNG era proper. No more yes. generations. First contact with the first outing of the solo crew of the TNG. Yes. That's no right. more bridges. We have left our original crew behind. We did so many films with them. In continuing our journey, just to talk normies as you've listened along, but we've We've gone through those films. We took a break and did Galaxy Quest. We mm-hmm. came back. We we did this sort of bridging film that we talked about last time, Generations, and now here we are, TNG proper. Wow, what an adventure! Wow, truly right, an what adventure. A trek through the what stars. A trek. <laughs> you guys are like on some kind of trek through the stars. Uh, maybe now, we'll talk about that character later in this okay, one. Okay, I'm very right. excited. I do want to ask though: Has a moment like that ever been said in a Star Trek series? Because obviously, you guys well, are more the gurus here. You know TNG more. I have a lot of TNG-based questions this time, but I got to know if they've ever literally said out loud, "What is this? Some kind of Star Trek?" Yeah, uh, I, I would answer that, but. It may be coming up later on the quiz, so I'm going to keep oh, I don't know ambiguous. the answer. Yeah. Wow. Uh, the guess. So, yeah, we'll have to see about that. Um, yeah, we're here. First Contact. Uh, you know, this movie, got to go through kind of the history with it, I guess. Jacob is kind of the captain of this uh, endeavor. You know, what's your, your history of That's Star right. Trek First Contact? Um, this is probably the one that I first remember like seeing trailers and like it being in theaters this was in you know obviously came out in 1996 i was only six at that time but so maybe i don't remember it in theaters but i do remember it uh just being i guess in the 2000s like being on tv or what what have you but it Mm -hmm. was just in my consciousness in a way that generations wasn't uh yeah what what about you guys well i guess it's well the other Trek guy, and then we'll throw it to Colin where Please. TNG ambiguous. Uh, let's say um, this is something I had seen definitely before I had watched all of TNG. 
It's definitely the first time yes. I had ever heard of the Borg because I wasn't watching the show before that. Same you know, for that was me, yeah. For old people. So I've always been like, oh, okay, Borg Queen. I know a lot of old fans are like, that's the dumbest thing that's ever happened to the Borg and it ruins it. Yeah. Having we'll seen more TNG, it. we'll talk about it. But um, yeah. I, I just always have that agree. in my mind. That's like part of the Borg and it's never really bothered me. So, so that's my first introduction to kind of the Borg and maybe even Star Trek Next Generation as a whole besides random tapes, you know at my aunt and uncle's house that were just beyond the TV and I wasn't paying attention to. Um, so I saw it a long time ago. This is probably the first time seeing it after having watched all of TNG, you know, multiple times. So there's some characters that I didn't recognize the first time. And I'm like, oh, that's actually a cameo, you know, just to someone or whatever. So that'll be fun to talk about. But Colin, where are you at on the first contact? Is this your first contact with it? It is not, Mike. I've I've teased out my relationship with Star Trek this entire series of it was my dad's thing as a young man to say out loud, I want to be James Tiberius Kirk when I grow up. And you're like, wow, good for you, Randy Brooks. Uh, didn't necessarily happen, but he always had this love and admiration for it. Gave it up as an adult because TV's for kids. It, we're not going to watch TNG. We're certainly not going to watch classic Trek. Mm. But... I did get confirmation. I had been saying that the one after this was my first trip to theaters. No, 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 gentlemen. I apologize. I did, in fact, see this film in theaters. Ah, wow. so that was As the first contact. Seven-year-old child? With limited knowledge of Trek, Jacob. Like, wow. very removed. Sure. And it's interesting that this series of films that going to see them as from this point on, I will end up seeing the rest of the films in theaters as well. Uh, it never translated to me sitting down on the sci-fi channel and going, Oh, this is that TV show of those movies that I don't really care for. Let's check it on their adventures. <laughs> but hmm. uh, yes, but the, the thing that got me in, I think, or got my family and my, my brother, especially sort of uh, to Mike's point was the Borg. And I think I've famously told this story on the podcast as well, but for, for new listeners or just to do it on this one because it's relevant, it was after seeing this film, this is why my brother confirmed that we did see it, that he was inspired to go as a Borg for Halloween, oh. made his own costume, Very black cool. unitard, cardboard pieces all over yep. him. We oh, go to cool. like three houses, it's okay. We go to some middle-aged guy who goes, what are you, the cardboard fairy? And like, <laughs> I still remember that. My brother That's definitely hilarious. does because he took off the cardboard pieces for oh, the rest no. of the night. That's and rude. Like, didn't want to go as a Borg anymore. Oh, wow. man. That's a bummer. That I was hoping it so sucks. hard. I was By hoping it was going to be a guy. Old guy. Yeah. What you figured you? he'd be a, a fan. Like, oh, an adult. Locutus? You don't know. No, it's got to be an asshole yeah. about it. That's a bummer. Oh. I'm yeah. Unrelated, but. Mission Impossible. Do you know when that, what year that came out? Because that was my, that's, I think my first theater going memory is seeing Mission Impossible in theaters. I'm going to guess 95. Wow. Isn't that wild? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe 95, maybe 95. So six, 96, it, same year. Okay. See, uh, yeah. Okay. First contact might've been, I might've seen that in theaters. I do not remember. You're getting like really... a trailer for first contact. Think yeah. about that, Jacob. Yeah. Right, right, right. Um, <laughs> yeah. No, I just think White Fang might've been my, first theater experience that i can remember and i remember falling wow. asleep during it <laughs> but wow. anyway of course i told the story about uh galaxy quest seeing that in theaters on my birthday Amazing. uh but first contact obviously dealing with tng's biggest villain the borg uh and i just want to ask you you know i mentioned before 
uh, the first Borg episode. Well, not the first Borg episode, but the first big Borg episode, The Best of Both Worlds, part one and two. Uh, Colin, are you familiar with, with those episodes at all? That's the Locutus arc uh, that's not, referenced I, in the beginning of this movie. I Ooh. don't know any of the Bacar relationship stuff. I was so sold immediately by all that. And then, of course, I also have not watched the titular Picard after series, which deals a lot with what you guys have told me of a Borg queen. So I'm very yes. curious how much we're going to go into all of this in this mm-hmm. episode. Yes, the Borg queen <laughs> does return in season two of Star Trek Picard. Wow. Uh, that's the whole thing. Seven of um, nine has more to do in that. There's Borg stuff happening. Yes. A lot of Picard related media. Yes. And Voyager, wow. uh, which was, so we'll talk about, you know, 96 first contact came out. This is the height of nineties star Trek. You had DS nine in its fifth season at this time, Voyager in its second season, uh, and Voyager would go on to deal really a lot with the Borg because they're in the Delta Quadrant. They're lost in space in the Delta Quadrant. They get Seven of Nine, a very popular character that comes into the show in the fourth season, who is a former Borg that was rescued. Uh, and it, it de- they're traveling through Borg space in that show. So it deals a lot. You see the Borg Queen again. They have a couple uh, two-parters wow. that are big Borg episodes. And they reuse a lot of the uh, sets and costumes and stuff from this movie. Um, wow. Yeah. yeah. Because they were always limited by TV budget with the with Next Generation Borg, where they were like, oh, you know, they're pretty cool, but we can't do a movie scale kind of thing. Um, but, you know, I mentioned Best of Both Worlds, part one and two last month as my favorite Star Trek movie or TNG movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I would recommend to any normies to watch that before watching First Contact, because I think it's a really good kind of uh, uh, parallels. It's like a primer uh, almost, too. Yeah. Prequel movie. And, I mean, they reference it a lot in this movie, and that's, you know, obviously where Picard is captured by the Borg, turned into Locutus of Borg, their spokesperson. There's a big battle called Wolf 359. Uh, It has huge ramifications in the Star Trek canon. Universe. Universe. Yeah. It affects Uh, Cisco directly. It's a lot of stuff going on with Locutus in in this. But that's where Picard's coming from, where he understands the Borg like no other humans can because he was a former Borg that was rescued. So he's gone through that whole, he has PTSD from it and everything. It's a huge event in his life, right? And that's mm-hmm. why the Borg are so personal to him and why he takes everything with the Borg so personally. Yeah. So that's definitely a good way to set up kind of where this movie is starting. You know, it's wrestling with these issues and stuff. So not to, not to Borg you with our preamble too much, but I say let's jump right <laughs> into it. Um, and it. we'll talk... Uh, Yeah, a little bit of development, and then uh, Star Trek First Contact, right after this, on Normies Like Us. Make it so. We're back here on Normies Like Us. We're about to invent warp technology that's right because we are going back in time to talk about this movie first contact but in order to do that we have to talk about again going back into a different bit of time about before this movie was made the how we got there Mm -hmm. that's right um well if you remember last month star trek generations was the bridge between the original series and the next generation uh this of course is the first movie with the with no original series characters all all the next generation uh and so they're like okay who are we going to get to direct this thing who are we going to get to write it 
Well, to write it, they got Ronald D. Moore and Brandon Braga, again, who wrote Generations, wrote on a bunch of Star Trek shows. Uh, and to direct, this time they're like, you know what? Let's let's do the original series, Shatner and uh, Nimoy. Let's get Jonathan Frakes himself, William Riker, uh, number one to direct mm-hmm. this. And up to this point, uh, he had directed already multiple episodes of TNG. He did some episodes of DS9. He did episodes of Voyager. He would go on to do episodes of Enterprise, Discovery, Star Trek Picard, The Orville. Hmm. And in 2023, he is going to be directing an episode of Strange New Worlds. So he's literally directed like every Star Trek that's ever existed. Since his time, since he was able to. Yeah, I believe he knows Star Trek. <laughs> he's yeah. a recurring character on Lower Decks, and I believe Jacob he's specifically directing these Strange New Worlds episodes that will cross over with Lower Decks, which to me again is him being be like, great. and of course I've done all Star Trek. Yes, yeah. I I must say I did catch up on Lower Decks, and you are right, Colin. Hey. It is fantastic Woo. Trek. It's not just yeah. like dumb cartoon. It's got oh, great yeah. like in universe world building. It's funny. It's great. But um, yeah, it's great no, to, to see me, uh, Riker directing. But go ahead. Yeah, I love to hear it. the way I see New Trek right now, there's two good shows: Strange New Worlds and Lower Decks. There's two not so great shows: Discovery and Picard. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of those is very gonna... closely related to maybe the direction of these movies. We'll talk that's about right. that more. <laughs> and to mention another series, Enterprise, uh, which deals a lot with. Zephyr Cochran in the early days of space flight for humans and all that yep. stuff. Um, the last, the infamous last episode of that show, uh, which you know fans hated because the things uh, behind it starred, Yeah, William Riker is a framing story for like a clip show, basically, where uh, the enter- this is the series finale of the show, and the Enterprise cast is like barely in it. It's mainly a story about Will Riker. Uh, dealing with a thing from TNG, and it kind of ties in. Uh, it's it's a really strange finale. And it's yeah. one of the most hated episodes of Star Trek ever. There's an episode, I think the episode is called The Pegasus. William Riker has some kind of a yes. conundrum that he has to figure out, so he ends up watching on the holodeck one of the missions that Enterprise went on to learn something. Because it's history for them, because it's yeah. Captain, I'm sure the first pilot, you know, the first captain of the Enterprise, so he's going into the hologram uh, holodeck watching an old history lesson so yeah the finale is basically Riker skimming a wikipedia article on enterprise (laughs) (laughs) that's the finale of the enterprise series Ah, it's very sad but also it has a distinctive uh quality of being the only show besides the original series to get canceled so is it just as good probably yeah Yeah, but uh, (laughs) unfortunately Unfortunately. no enterprise feature films yet but scott bacula is still out there doing big things we might get there that's right one day (laughs) zephyr cochran because archer his dad worked with Zephyr Cochran in the early days of spaceflight. So they're kind of, and this is a little bit afterwards. So he's kind of obviously, he's got a whole memorial or like a statue and everything like they mentioned in the show, in this movie. So a lot of this movie carries over to Enterprise in an interesting way. Wow. And there's a fan theory that I like. That I'll just throw this in as we talk about this movie that because the TNG crew, there's time travel here. Spoilers if you haven't seen a movie that came out in 96. They do some time travel to help Zephyr Cochran with his mission. And people speculate that that is the point at which there's a separate timeline created that Enterprise springs off of, mm. Kelvin timeline, all this stuff after uh, this yeah. era of TNG is a separate timeline, quote unquote. You know, And there is a another episode of enterprise dealing with the Borg because 
uh, so when they when they blast off the uh, deflector dish, right, and the Borg like fly off into space, and the mm-hmm. Worf blows it up or whatever, I think those Borg like landed on Earth and got frozen in the, in the Antarctica, right? And then uh, in Enterprise, they thaw out. So there's like these three Borg that start attacking people, but they don't know what the Borg is because it's before the Borg show up. You know, when ratings start slipping, the Borg appear. That's that's what we yeah. know about Star Trek. It's um, a cool tie-in. I mean, that timeline yeah. interest- theory is interesting, but also, does Enterprise really need to be a different timeline? Because I think it fits into the canon of Star Trek pretty well. The the Kelvin right. stuff is different, obviously. It's but, just what is the photograph? Um, does it have Riker and LaForge in it with uh, Cochran? Right. Oh, you know, that's, that's the true, only thing. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, either yeah, way, so. this is a fascinating uh, little piece of Star Trek, and I, yes. I, I do think First Contact, uh, regardless of prime timeline or not or whatever it changes on its own it's it's fairly fun i think overall absolutely not perfect, um yeah. yeah so you know uh jonathan frakes directed this movie um following in the footsteps of shatner and nimoy as an actor turned director uh and they wanted to go with him because he knew how to work again on a tv budget and a tv schedule where he's like you know what we can get in we can get out make it for cheap and uh but he also Time understood that it budget. is a movie and that's what I think a big strength of this movie is that it is a movie, unlike Generations, which feels like a longer episode of the show. This feels like an actual movie with a three-act structure and like rising stakes and, and all that stuff. So I think much more cinematic experience here, wouldn't you agree? Yeah, I think compared to Generations, and we even ran into this with the original motion picture where it was going to be a different series. So it definitely feels like a long yeah. episode, that oh, kind yeah. of thing. So, yeah. Um, yeah, it's interesting to think about where we've come from, because obviously we've broken free of this <laughs> curse of like every other film is regarded as bad. And they were dealing with the fact that this was a hit and then they had to honor this guy who was mad at this person. All that is done. We have moved on to this, quote unquote, the next generation where, Jacob, I would say that like the impressions or kind of, I would just say like the regard amongst the fans of star Trek. And I wonder if you guys would agree is that like TNG really doesn't have very good movies. Well, I think this personally, I think this is the best TNG movie by far. And I would agree that the other three are not good. Uh, but I, there's a lot of like, uh, I do like about this one. And I think the even movies are good rule does hold up to this point. Because oh my think God. About Two, oh, four, wow. Now six. we're on eight. On the original series are good. <laughs> Generations, not so good. This one, eight, is good. But also, you have to say, well, Nemesis was 10. Do you, do you think Nemesis is good? And it's maybe, maybe one, one of the, the worst movies the ever made, as yeah. we talk about. But here's, here's what I'm going to say, coming to it as sort of how Mike did, of, of like not having watched this in a long time, mm-hmm. and certainly knowing nothing about Star Trek the previous times I had watched it. I got to say, Jacob, I agree. Watching it this time, I was like, yo, this movie's fun as heck. What don't people yeah. like about this? I'm having a really good time. It's it's really cool. I like everybody involved, but I disagree with you in that it doesn't feel like the episode thing or the mm. trap of mm. it feeling like this protracted, you know, just TV. You could have done it there. Um, I think when this movie starts to feel bad is that it kind of loses steam and I get bored kind of by the end. And I think the weakness is is that these films versus the ones we've done play so close to home of just get the TV guys to write it. Just get the guy who stars in the show to star in it. 
opposed to getting that infusion of outside blood that's like, yo, we're making a fucking movie. Yo, let's blow the roof off of this thing. Where we had some non-fans yeah. writing the scripts and yeah. things like that happening. Nicholas like, Myers would come correct. in and just blow it up, Mike. Wrath of Condit, like, yeah. Star Trek fucking sucks. Like, let's fucking make a right. movie. <laughs> Well, I think that's kind of uh, I, I would almost compare Jonathan Frakes to Nicholas Myers because I think Nicholas Myers is the first person to understand that you can't just make it like TV. I think Jonathan Frakes came from a TV perspective, but also he kind of bridged the gap where he's like, we're going to make it a movie, but obviously coming from a TV perspective. And I think he understood how to make it a movie, which is why I think this one stands above all the other next generation movies i think the general consensus is this one is pretty well liked at least compared to the other three um i think yeah. um they they came to the boardroom to jonathan frakes and said we're going to direct this like a tv show he said you're wrong that's false that is not true you know that's right like, that old... <laughs> yeah mike any any first thoughts on this haven't haven't not seen it in a while kind of just yeah. you texted us pretty excitedly i'll, I'll say that I, I think it has some some really interesting, similar to maybe the Ant-Man thing. It's better than that. But it has some of the highest highs for, I think, the Picard character's arc. There's some really strong scenes in this. But it, I have to preface it with saying movie Picard is not the same as TV show Picard. Action, man. Totally, totally. I think there's two and different things, yeah. And I believe that the Picard show is more in line with movie Picard than TV show Picard. Yes. I feel that's oh. the timeline and tone. Um, and we can get into it, but you know, right. Stuart wanted well, to have more action in this, you know, Jacob, if you can expound upon that. Well, that's, what's crazy is that movie Picard was closer to how Patrick Stewart wanted the character to be portrayed to mm -hmm. begin with. He was always like saying like, he should do more action. He should have a love interest. Basically, <laughs> no one likes that about him because he's not Kirk, but he was trying to make him more like Kirk all the time. And especially in this movie, uh, you know, a big thing in this movie is that so the Riker and the, and the people on the ground working with Zephyr and Cochran, that's one story. And then the other mm -hmm. story is Picard and Worf Borg invasion. And, the, and the ship uh, yeah, fighting the Borg. Originally, Riker was going to be on the ship fighting the Borg and Picard was going to be on the ground helping Zephyr and Cochran. And Patrick Stewart was like, let's switch that so I can have more action. And also I have a personal relationship with the Borg, so it just makes more sense. Yeah. And they agreed with him. Uh, he also wanted, like he was lobbying for a love interest and stuff which they sort of gave him without the yeah. Alfred Woodard character, but still not really a love interest, but we'll get to that next movie because he finally gets his way in Insurrection. Uh, but yeah, he's just what constantly trying to make him more girl? like her. He's getting oh, more no, creative no. control over the character at this point. The show's yeah. off the air, and even with Picard, he's like, I, I don't want to do the same Picard. stories we've done. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and there he gets are... really angry in this movie. Yeah. Well, angry, sure, but the, to, when... Listeners, if you're not going to watch this, like, oh, what are they talking about? Action. So what? It's a movie. There should be action to it. No, no, no. At a certain point, he dresses up like a cowboy in that he just has a vest on and his Starfleet badge, almost yes. like a sheriff's badge. It's like a Biceps going vest. dirt where you're just like, yes, you, we understand what you want to look like right now, Patrick. You are action the is. hero of this movie. Mm -hmm. Good for you. But what people liked about show Picard is he's the diplomat. He can use words to kind of, you know, uh, resolve things instead of violence, right? Right, Which right. To violence. But, you know, obviously the Borg, again, he has a very personal relationship with them and he's blinded almost by his revenge for them, which is where the big 
you know, acting monologue that he gets in this yeah. film from. Uh, so should we set up, yeah. I guess, what the the inciting so incident of this is? All, right? Please. I mean, so the Borg so, are coming. Go ahead, Jacob, if you got this not yeah, locked down. The Borg are coming. Um, again, Wolf 359 was a big battle in the show where uh, the fleet, Starfleet, fought the Borg. A lot of people died. It was a big thing. And they now, rescued Picard. And, and let me... And let me ask you now, as a yeah. sort of D&D trope that you'll get a lot, where you, the person's backstory will be like, fucking, I think this is on Critical Role, where it's like, you know, like, we were attacked by dragons, now I have like a fucking sense when dragons are nearby. Picard just, he can, he is in tune to when the Borg are around. Yeah, he's, because he's a former Borg, he still can hear them in his head sometimes, like he has a connection with them because of the cyberneticness of it all where he was connected to the collective he's still getting wi-fi signal yeah, yeah. yeah. Think, yeah. And seven of nine has these these things too over time uh and he can he kind of has the sixth sense with the borg so he knows they're attacking even before Dope. the admiral That's calls awesome. and tells him right but then they yeah. say you can't be a part of the mission because you have ptsd and we don't want you to use your knowledge that you have from defeating the That's board right. before. But well, yeah. let's not move like, too fast. Let's that. not move too fast here. <laughs> get right. some these dreams with some 90s early CGI cuz now yes. we've fully embraced this stuff. I got to say, I thought the thing popping out of his well the the drill to the, the eye, eye I did not like it all, Jacob. Yeah. But the thing popping out of his cheek, I thought that looked pretty good. I was like this this looks that pretty good. That was dope. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty cool. This, so this, I mean, this is your recap I just of the locutus thing, right? They're trying to oh, okay. set up kind of the, the emotional stakes and you know, what he went through in a very short amount of time. So they're kind of rushing you through the fact that he was assimilated by the Borg and somehow yeah, escaped. Yeah, they're catching and, you up if you haven't seen the show, if you haven't seen Best of Both yeah. Worlds. And does the show give you an origin for the Borg? They come from the Delta Quadrant. The first episode with the Borg is actually a Q episode where Q shows up and takes the sends the Enterprise to Delta Quadrant, which is millions of light years away and oh says God. this is what's coming for earth eventually and you meet this new race of people called the borg oh my God. uh and i can go into a little bit about the borg obviously they started as a an, an analogy for communism for soviet communism in the oh. late 80s uh when tng started uh cold war obviously was in the the end days of the cold war uh because they're a collective, right? You lose all your individuality, and that's kind of the. We're going to get into my favorite subject now, which is Cold War propaganda. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> but that's that's so. Of course, it has the political undertones because it is Star Trek. But to yeah, that's me, so Star it's Trek. just so much more interesting for some sci-fi guy to be like, "Yeah, what if zombies were robots?" Like, of course that makes sense. And to go yeah. from that angle, but instead he's like, "No, no, no! It's the communist manifesto. You have to yes. understand it's poisoning your mind." They right. have brutalist the architecture, War. just like the Soviets. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Well, that was the whole idea. Yeah. Right? Wow. They, they take your biological distinctiveness and monoculture. Your own, so you become part of this monoculture, this collective, but you lose all your individuality. And that was kind of the propaganda against the Soviet Union, America, where it's like. Yeah, communism might sound great, but hey, here in America, we're all about individualism, and right? Freedom, Rugged individualism. Uh, yeah. So if you want to lose that, you better you're better off being dead than being being. I mean, a yeah, if you want to if you you want to drink whiskey and build a spaceship, there's only one place to do that. It's the United States <laughs> of America, right. damn it. America. <laughs> uh, and there's been a lot of um, you know analogies for the Soviet Union over the whole run of Star Trek, where Romulans were at one point sort of Soviet inspired the klingons mm -hmm. were uh and now the borg uh for like the late 80s soviet union which is 
interesting because when you're talking about the Borg Queen, a character that was written for this movie never mm. appeared in the show before. Wow. Mm-hmm. And so the argument that she kind of ruins the idea of the Borg, I have, I kind of agree with, even though I think this movie is good and I like her in the movie, it does sort of change the whole idea about what the Borg are about because the whole point of the Borg is that they have no leader. They're one collective. There's, you know, they're a hive mind, right? It's almost like Why a colony of ants. One? Except they have, right, I love without ants. a queen, though. I guess that's wrong. That's a right. bad analogy, actually. Well, yeah. Actually, not like movie, they're more like. Never mind. But it's more like they just all work in harmony without having a, an overall leader because they're just all connected. So, yeah. so having this figurehead, the Borg Queen, all of a sudden kind of ruins that idea. And then she's like, yeah, I was there the whole time, just out of frame. Remember me, Picard? He's like, oh, yeah, you were there. During <laughs> Best of Both Worlds, when I wasn't in it, I was actually in it. I just wasn't yeah. on screen. Yeah. So there's um, a little bit of retcon say, happening. So I do understand well, where people the, are coming the, from when they say that. It's the yeah. Lenin. It's the Fuhrer. You know, it's yeah, the, the, the Stalin, Chancellor, right? the the figurehead of your communist collective. There's always going to be something like that. But of course, she says, I guess her answer to all this is that, Jacob, you're just thinking so primitively. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, what's so funny three is dimensionally. Like, let's, 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 let's give them a leader, the Borg Queen, and let's make her really sexual. And really horny for data. I, I well, oh, I and also Picard. Maybe, maybe, yeah, maybe yeah, Picard. Patrick Stewart was cooking up this idea. Let's maybe we make way. her sexy. What if? Oh we yeah, the Borg. Is she my? Is, uh... is all the Borg? What do you mean by that? <laughs> well, I think her when so her scenes with Data though I do really like where she's like putting human skin on Data, making it because like his whole thing is He's he wants to become Borg more human. Game. Yeah, <laughs> he's all android. Borg are a combination of organic and cybernetic parts. So yes. she wants to make him more like them and say, well, you, you're becoming closer to perfection, which is what we are, perfection. We're and giving you what you've always the, wanted, yeah. The yeah. distinction being androids are automatons or robots that are lifelike and human-like. And of course, he says, my aspirations are to be more human-like. And of yes. course, the Borg uh, denounce humanity, as you've been pointing out. Yeah, he's fully synthetic. We're there. Organic and tech, yeah. Yeah. So they take the best parts of every species they assimilate and incorporate into their own, which is why they're, they believe that they're superior to all other races because of that. Yeah. And so to bring us back to this point in the story, Q sends them to the future to say, look at yes. the Borg. Ah. This is how you so are. You are so not episode. ready to tackle yeah. this. He's trying to teach Picard a lesson. Like these guys are so fucking crazy. You have no chance. Earth humanity has no chance. This is what you need to prepare for. Snaps them back in time. But now we have the Borg coming to Earth and they want to go back in time to stop us from getting warp technology. And then that's where we get our time travel. They're trying to sabotage both Zephyr and Cochran and uh, board the Enterprise. And that's kind of where we get our two main uh, storylines for this. That's right. They say the Borg have this plan. They're like, if we go back in time right before humans develop the warp drive capabilities we can assimilate the planet then and then in the future it'll be a planet full of borg uh the enterprises follows them back through time uh and now they're in the past they're in the year 2063 and Mm -hmm. look we have gotten in released cinema star trek films plots that center around traveling to the past uh there's no way Uh okay and i think it's fair to say like Oh, well, what's going to be interesting about this? They do the thing of not going, well, they'll travel back to the year the movie's coming out in. That way, you know, fucking 
Worf can be wearing a pair of Chuck Taylors and go like, hey, these shoes make me look. No, no, no. We're not going to do it. They're not fit for combat. We're going to the near future of current A time period that has not really been touched yet Mm -hmm. on that I'm sure holds a great deal of historical significance throughout the series, not just for this one movie. Are they mentioning Zephyr Cochran, I would imagine, right? He's mentioned a lot throughout the series. Yeah. Yeah. That was introduced in the original series, played by a different actor, obviously. Uh, They kind of threw away his original backstory and just made him this James Cromwell character. Um, But First Contact Day being April 5th, 2063 is something that they do carry on with Enterprise and all that. Amazing. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a lot more of this with Enterprise as it does deal with humanity's first warp flight. The Vulcans are watching them. Yeah. That's 40 years from now. And it was like it was like sixty years from when the movie well, came out. Elon James Musk will shake Cromwell, the Vulcan hand. Yeah. Let's yeah. say he's probably forty years old it's after in the this Bell movie. Rides. I would imagine he might mm-hmm. be born like this year, basically. Yeah, Zephyr yeah. Cochran would yeah probably be born around now. Um, because there's this whole so the the established canon of Star Trek is that basically humans were fighting each other for a long time on Earth as 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 we do. Mm-hmm. Uh, but eventually there was like basically nuclear war, which caused yeah, the whole we're right on schedule. Perfect. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, but then they finally realized like, wait, we shouldn't be fighting each other. We should be working together. Uh, and once the warp drive is developed, that's when the Vulcans make first contact, as you see in this movie. Uh, and that's something that's carried on to the Federation where uh, when, once a civilization reaches warp capability, that's when you make first contact and they can enter the galactic community, if you will. We saw that in Strange New Worlds, Pilot, uh, and all <laughs> And then you have um, Lower Decks doing second contact, where they're trying to get them up to speed with the regulations after they've oh, yes. kind of introduced them. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Now, here are the strengths of hiring your TV writers, is that you are getting good sci-fi conceits like that. You're getting... A sort of post-apocalyptic society, quote unquote. We're not going full Mad Max territory, but you get to have some fun with that in your film. You know, you get get like crazy coats and the card gets to put on a dirty jacket. (laughs) Is literally what I was about to mime. I got my tattered shirt right here. You know, yeah, like so you get fun costumes. Wearing a weird fur coat and like a weird hat, cool hat, yeah, and stuff. Yeah, you get twenty sixties fashion. You know, amazing. You get robot zombies, like I said. You get. Scuttle construction montages and sort of payoffs and stuff. And you get good conceits where, like, I can be on the couch and hear Data say, like, or another character say, like, well, if they've come back in time and destroyed the Earth already, why isn't our ship affected? It's probably, and Data, yeah, Mm -hmm. like, well, the wake created from the time stream probably washed over our ship. That techno babble. They're in a time vortex. And truly, I will not be like, I'm just even glad you said that. That's like, (laughs) It's awesome that you're even catching this stuff. Yeah. You're considering so, that somebody's going to ask. Just yeah. Around the sun. yeah. They just like, <laughs> what are we going to do with the whales? Who cares? Fly around the sun a couple times. We'll just travel a time. Well, that's yeah, why yeah. you can say maybe it is a new timeline that's split off from this because even though the basics are the same of first contact, you know, butterfly effect, you don't know what you yes. could have changed in the past. So it's mm-hmm. totally Never reasonable do. that it could be a new timeline. Um, right. Because you get Klingon showing up too early in Enterprise, not to get too ahead of myself, but there's some differences in, anti, yeah. anti, you know, things that are out of time that you can explain away with, like, oh, it's just a parallel. You know, Kang said, and the Hulk said, that it's Uh-oh. not the same future, your new future, <laughs> you know, whatever. So yeah, it's, it's a divergent timeline. Yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> and like Klingons and Enterprise look the same as Next Generation, even though in the original series they look very different, uh, which is after Enterprise. Doesn't matter. Who knows? Um, Doesn't matter. Not for what we're doing yeah. here. 
But we, I guess uh, we'll talk the Cochran storyline, right? Since we're talking yeah, about him. Our little B-plot. What's his deal, right? In the future, he's this historic figure. Um, and everybody's he's really like, amazed to meet him. But he doesn't want any of that, right? He's a scumbum, yeah. Mike. He's, he's great. <laughs> that's what's great about this character is they could have just gone more stereotypical with it. But they're like... No, we're going to have this this hugely like talked up historical figure. And then turns out he's just like a guy who wants to dance to 60s rock music and drink whiskey. Get drunk and make money yeah. from his ship. He yeah, says, yeah. I'm profit motivated. I don't want to be yeah, a visionary for mankind. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because they haven't even got to the point where like, oh, we don't use money anymore. We have, we're, we're higher beings now. We care more about, you know, cultural enrichment and all this that the start that the Federation's all about, right? Mm-hmm. We're still stark in the dark days that we're stuck in right now. Yeah, what's it's your take, Colin, on Cochran? Yeah. It's a classic storyline of, you know, can you believe this kid is going to have the weight of his shoulders on the world? You know, it's the John Connor thing. Mm. Of like, he's going to yeah. save it all. Can you believe blah, blah, blah. But he's a rowdy teen. Um, <laughs> I love it. It's great. Yeah. James mm-hmm. Cromwell crushes this role. I think it's such a perfect inspired choice to be a big weirdo. <laughs> yeah. Totally, totally. Um, it's like, yeah, if they went back to Leonardo da Vinci and he was just grew up or something, it was like, no, you're going to make like all these inventions. Into the Mona Lisa, Leonardo only wants to shred. <laughs> he just hung over all the time drawing and shit or something, yeah. you know? Yeah, it's wild. But I, I love this character. I think he's one of the best things in the movie is James Cromwell. Yes. And all the Enterprise well, people. I... Yes, I I got a little upset, Mike, with the Alfie Woodard stuff because I felt that was very tacked on, and it could have occupied both roles. He could have gone up to the ship, seen that mm. stuff, split, gone back down. There could have been so many more adventures with him, opposed to what essentially amounts to a couple like ironic scenes of like, well, you know, in the future, I went to a school called Zephram Cochran High School. Isn't that wild? And he's mm-hmm. like, right. uh, Blah. Well, it kind of makes sense because there's that does the, that beat happens three story, or four right? times, <laughs> yeah. maybe a hundred times. Like. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, the Alfred Woodward, Woodward character is like his assistant who gets injured, so they send her up to Enterprise to get to you know, so Doctor Crusher can work on her or whatever. Oh, I thought she was like Borg a political. Attack. I thought she was part of whatever their collective was that sort of seemed to have the governmental control well, of well, the area. Yeah, it's like there's different factions that are fighting. Yeah. So like the 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 whole earth is like embroiled in a war. But she's kind of I think she's like Saffron Cochran's assistant. Amazing. Um okay. but she's yeah, on the Enterprise. She kind of gets stuck there when the Borg attack Lily. There's there is meets, something Christopher yeah. Nolan interstellar-esque about it of a future dystopia where everyone's like, Yeah, but what if we could launch a rocket? yeah and you're like yeah i don't know like let's fix the planet though and they're like no go into space we'll get there that's what the we're planet. doing now yeah yeah well, exactly like, what we're doing be like if elon was like this is why i paid for all these things these vulcans were reaching out to me telling me i should do this it's gonna fix well, everything I'm they like, told me to buy right, twitter fucking tricked us man the general idea is that like once humans discover there's like a whole galactic community out there they put aside their their differences as humans it'd be like well we're part of this much larger world than we thought you know our problems kind of seem very small by comparison so Mm -hmm. let's all get together and become you know one better enemies with that entity in space and (laughs) at least we have a common enemy americans were in charge it would truly be like we must just absolutely we're already blowing up every ufo that we find you know 
Well, in every balloon. In season two, they go back to the past, and it's like a fascist alternate past, which is hundred percent. That's yeah. what it will be. <laughs> but yeah. as far as the time travels go, I think this is some of the most fun. Again, I like Cochran not yes. wanting to be a hero. I don't care about your history books and everybody's so enamored again. Maybe it's a lot to put on him to be like, there's a statue. And there's even Jonathan Frakes like, you told him about the statue? He's like, yeah, yeah. I couldn't help myself, you know? It's um, like, yeah, if you go back in it's time a cool and B-plot. tell a historical figure that you're going to do all these things, will he do st- still do them in the same way? I would not. Timeline right. theory, correct. <laughs> Out of yeah. spite, I would not. Um, yeah, they're mm-hmm. kind of breaking exactly the temporal what he's doing. prime directive all over the place, which is yeah. something that they don't even know about yet. Interfering but all over. Yeah. yeah, but they know what the prime directive is, but they don't. You know, they're not. They don't care about the temporal prime directive when they should. But anyways, uh, the card says, "I'm breaking part. the rules." You in or you yeah. out? So they the writers absolve themselves in that moment. <laughs> right, yeah. right. Let's let's jump back well, up because meanwhile, while this yeah. is going yep. on, we have, uh, so we have Jonathan Frank's escaped and left behind trading storylines with our our beloved captain Patrick Stewart, mm-hmm. who's right um, grabbing like Neil McDonough and Worf. Yeah. So you know, I'm like excited because I'm like, oh, character actor Neil McDonough is surely gonna uh, die like ten seconds. And I'm like, yeah. no, he's got some scenes. <laughs> yeah, but he eventually gets redshirted yes, uh, on the deflector dish. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So we get the Lily character, Alfred Woodward who uh i actually like this character a lot i mean alfred mm-hmm. woodard is a you know academy award nominated actress uh so when they got her it was kind of they saw it as a big kind of success of like oh we got like a, an academy award nominated actress for this role not quite a love interest for for picard but gets some kind of a rapport with picard right they're kind of interesting foil running around together mm-hmm. uh at one point they go in the holodeck and picard mows down a bunch of uh, Borg with a Tommy gun, which is a very fun scene because they go to like this gangster novel. Uh, really, a machine you know, gun that's functional. Yeah, yeah. Th- there is fun Turn stuff. Safety too. protocols off. Yeah, We get the classic, um, you know, we see this a little bit in Strange New Worlds and other Star Trek episodes. Oh, somebody who's not supposed to see the ship wakes up and sees the ship and at one point she's got the phaser turned on Picard and she's telling him I need yeah. out of here and you know there's a little bit of time to get to trust each other and I and I like their interactions Colin how do you feel about Lily and Picard you know I think there's some good scenes here uh again not really my favorite stuff I like that you guys like it but truly there's this one part, in particular I'm I don't know I'm just okay, okay. you go you go we could be servicing the other female crew members who you barely see in this film. Like Gates McFadden, I believe just like waves hello to a couple people. Climbs an right. event and says, well, Hey, I was going to make the <laughs> argument that like what I like, one thing I like about this movie is that most of the cast does get something to do, which is different than generations where most of the cast like really wasn't doing anything here. At least they're all kind of doing something where like Riker and Troy and, uh, Jordy are on the planet helping them. Uh, you're right. Crusher is probably like gets the least to do, but she's like mm-hmm. doing doctor stuff on the show. And like yeah. trying to help Worf, people escape, climbing through vents and stuff. That's kind of yeah. her whole thing. Yeah. Worf is on another ship and they go like, now yes. you're on our ship. And he's like, so, you got it. <laughs> yeah. Worf, really, if you're not the aware, laziest, let's get our crew back together. But yes, please yes. tell me because I'm not. I, but I not quite as lazy right. as you might think. Yeah. Worf <laughs> at this point was a series regular on DS9 starting in season right. four. 
Uh, so after Generations, when he got promoted, he basically left the Enterprise to go be uh, the presiding Klingon officer on DS9 because they had a lot of Klingon relationship problems they were having. So like, let's get a Klingon to deal with Klingons. Let's get Worf. Mm-hmm. Uh, so for each successive movie, they're going hey, to know a guy. come up with a way to write him back into the, the cast. Yes. Uh, so this one, you oh, see the USS boy. Defiant, which is the DS9's ship. Uh, that was made to fight the Borg, and you see it fighting the Borg in the beginning. We get little Adam Tyler Scott. Bates. So it makes Tyler sense Bates. that they call it. That's right. Yeah. Little Adam He's Scott. having a little party down on the ship. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, by the way, so Adam Scott, like you said, uh, appears on the bridge of the Defiant. Uh, one of his first movie roles, another one of his first movie roles, we talked about on this podcast, Hellraiser Bloodlines. Yeah. Oh, it came out in 1996. Jesus. They were his second and third Galaxy film roles. Wow. Fucking surprise me. That's wild. That's right. Oh, Bloodlines. <laughs> Adam Scott. Um, yeah. So they save the crew of the Defiant. They're in the sick bay or whatever. And they're like, oh, one, one person wanted to say hello. And it's Worf, right? So Worf's mm-hmm. back. The audience, uh, you can hear, they pipe into the soundtrack. A live studio audience. Clap yeah, yeah. It's such Warfare a weird sound in yeah. it. Yeah. He, he does a Kramer pause for applause. He's like, mm-hmm. yeah. For some reason, Wolf was on the Defiant, but Dax and Bashir and no, 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 no. the rest of them were doing something else. The greatest well, threat to humanity is near Earth, but I will stay on Deep Space yeah. Nine. Worf, you go. Yeah, yeah. Cisco, who knows what he's doing at this point? Do. I can we see Worf making an impassioned plea. I am a great warrior. I will do this. I grew up on Earth. I was adopted by humans. It is my duty. And Cisco's like, yeah. if you think you can, I need to be a god anyway. Bye. I am a space god. So <laughs> yeah. It's just funny because, like, why would Worf be on the ship, but no one else? Like, every time they use the ship in the show, that, like, all the crew, like, Dax is there as the science officer and everything. And I don't even uh, know if they're married at this point. They could be. Uh, this would have been season five. So they probably building to that they're kind of building that relationship i think they get married in season six spoiler alert Warf spoiler gets married alert. to somebody in deep space and then Dax dies. Dies. Yeah, so, yeah. It, well let me just say this it takes Ooh, a this lot of the, the shock out of the films that he might live or die let's put it oh that yeah way. <laughs> but showing up with the defiant yeah. a ship designed specifically to fight the borg yeah, yeah it makes sense i don't know why nobody else from the crew is there obviously budget you know in the real world but you know i, right. I like they're seeing Warf back day. You do remember how to fire a phaser, don't you? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, And him and Picard get some good scenes. And later, Picard just goes off on him and is like, Mm -hmm. you're a coward. And Worf is like so mad. Uh, If you were any other man, I would kill you where you stand. Yeah. Yeah, There's really good stuff there. What on earth? Why are you doing this? Right. Well, that's because Picard's badass now. Yeah, you could say like, oh, it's a little out of character for Picard. But again, like because of his relationship with the Borg, I think he just kind of loses all control and is just like, you know, just yeah, losing and, his mind. And if I can then bring up what I like about it is like the whole time I'm watching this, I'm like, yo, this is like kind of out, like I said, out of character. Picard's like, if you see anybody assimilated, shoot him. And he just kills yeah. that other guy and his crew. It's like, you survived. And you've seen... Yeah, you were literally captured I by the Borg and rescued. We know of Seven of Nine. That he had Hugh. There's I, other Borg that have been de-assimilated, you know, yeah. successfully. They address that in this movie. where And then they really address it. Like, Correct. That's hey, why it works. Like, you're just... Ki- like, like oh, that was Ensign Lynch. Oh, you just killed Ensign Lynch? Like, you didn't even try to save them? Um, because he's so blinded by his vengeance that he just doesn't care. Yeah, so uh, I like that yeah. part. I was so yeah. off until Lily calls him out because she's like, "I'm not a part of your crew. I don't. I don't deal with rank, right? I can break right through all this and call your bullshit." And she's like, "Yeah, 
when you were shooting them in the hollow deck with that machine gun, you seemed like you almost enjoyed it. Like you're not doing this yeah. for the crew. You're doing it for you. And like, she calls yeah. them out. You broke your little ships. Like, I love that scene. That's a great that and the wharf stuff. I think are really, I mean, that's really a good. Big, uh, that's a big acting scene for Ahab for has to Stewart, get right? his whale. I love it. Yeah. Boy, and she never yeah, even yeah, read like, the book. She never even read the book. Let's throw in some Moby Dick quotes. Uh, I don't know. I he don't should have know. done the I spit at thee, you know? But yes. he did. <laughs> I like it because, you know, Picard is actually wrong here. Like, everyone is like, no one mm-hmm. wants to tell him that he's wrong because he's the captain, except Lily, who's not part of the crew, can be like, your whole crew thinks it's like suicide, what you're doing. And basically talks him down, and he's like, "Oh, you're right." And then they're going to destruct the Enterprise, right? Enterprise E. Uh, but then he does what he wants anyway. Always another letter of the alphabet. Don't That's worry. right. We Which I like that. Yeah. And yeah. then he I just walks it. it all I back. I loved it, Mike. I loved it. Yeah, until he decides not to because he forgets about well, his buddy Data. Well, he calls out. Well, he feels a Wi-Fi like, signal. He goes, yeah. "Wait a minute, Data's still out there." But let's jump back a little earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have Zephyr and Cochran. They, Riker and Troy and Jordy are working with him, and they kind of have to persuade him to go along with the plan to launch. He just wants to run away because it's too much pressure. Everyone's acting like he's some kind of hero, and he doesn't know what they're talking about. A little imposter syndrome, maybe. Yeah. Well, he's obsessed with this concept because when he's drunk, he says to Jonathan Franks, Will Riker, he says, you're telling me. You came from the future, did all this. Well, you're some kind of hero, aren't you? Boy, you must be. So this concept that everyone else is, is a hero or could be a hero except for him, all this self-doubt and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, again, why I love this character. Complex yeah. historical figure, exactly, right. So we've got our A and B plots going. The C plot is Data being captured by the Borg Queen. Data having very sexual conversations. <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah. Repeating some lines Holy that he's function. talking about with Tasha Yar. Yes, Was it good he... for you, Data? <laughs> wow. He is fully functional and... and uh, Programmed in a, a, multiple techniques. In a variety of uh, techniques. Yeah, yes. yeah. Uh, and that's a reference to eight years ago in the season one when he has sex with Tasha Yar, which mm-hmm. is the last time that he had sex. And he even says, like, oh, eight years ago in this movie so to the minutes I, yeah i don't want to know about it but who's counting <laughs> tasha yar was the original the security officer she died uh in a, in a random puddle of alien goo killed her uh well when, a, when she one. wanted a random movie career that went nowhere. Yes. yeah and then morph <laughs> yeah, got her like, job star trek show it ain't going nowhere i read a very interesting interview with her recently about the picard oh, series sure. and what Denise she Crosby. laments in her life <laughs> so oh wow interesting woman yeah, missed but, opportunities, uh, I guess. She could have been on the Defiant in this movie if only she survived the skin of evil. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, wow. yeah. Um, so Data's yeah, captured by the back, Queen. Uh, yes, yeah, so uh, she's like grafting human skin onto him. What is her plan here? Human. What what do what does she want? He says you will never get the code from my brain, and I had a lot of trouble figuring out what the Borg Queen's end game was for this entire film. If you could sum up for me, well, number one, they wanted to assimilate all of earth in the past right so that the future humans would be borg uh and so they're making that gas to do that why did they have to take over level seven or whatever warp says where he's like why would they stop at you know Uh, uh, that i don't know some of that is less well written it feels like the movie does not answer a couple the reason they're on the enterprise so when they they go back in the past in the beginning. They blow up the Borg ship that's in the past, but the Borg yes. knew they were going to do that. So all the Borg from that ship 
go over to the enterprise without Beamed the enterprise re- realizing. And that's why they're on the enterprise now. And they're kind of taking it over slowly. The Borg Queen, I think, has multiple kind of uh, plans that she's working on. But her overall plan seems to be getting Picard back, getting Locutus back. And she's using data as a ploy to get... For what reason? She misses him. She misses Daddy Picard from when he was in the collective. Locutus. Locutus He's a little little cutie. Yeah, okay. the, the ten out of ten. Know. Come on, again. The, the motivations. <laughs> this is where we get some issues with the scripting. Yes, are where Agreed. I'm like, this wasn't in the start of part three of the episode called First Contract. Okay, maybe <laughs> there's there's issues with also the depiction of the Borg of like. No, they won't attack us unless they see us as a threat. Well, there's twelve of us all with guns. And the only yeah. people no, that could stop them guns. are the regular crew yeah. members. Why would they not constantly be attacking everybody? So that's a little but weak. That's the thing that goes back to the show where like the individual drones like don't even notice you like, because they're so focused on what they're doing. They only notice you if you become a threat. That's uh, true. So you can kind of just walk around among them as long as uh-huh. you're not attacking them. They won't notice you. But if your mission is to assimilate the whole ship, I would think you would that be like, hey, command so. line drones, everybody that's not yeah. you, get them, right? But that's kind of a weakness of their like organizational structure True. as a species, right? Where if yeah. you were trying to fuck with like one bee, that bee wouldn't really care because it's focused on like doing its, you know, getting pollen for the hive or whatever. Yeah, you could just kind of do your own thing, just or ignore ants. it. But um, I'm going to use a, an ant analogy instead. Yes, we love ants. And back to the ant queen, right? These have queens. I do have yeah. questions. It's all, it's all the same structure. <laughs> what? Um, yeah. What is her motivation? Because it's like you think she wants Picard to rejoin, and then when he's like, I- "I'll join you," just just blah 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 blah. I'll join you, and then she she's like, yeah. "I'm just fucking with you. I got data already. I don't even want you to join me." And it's like, "Well, what but do you wants want Picard then?" And data. <laughs> Yeah, it, I mean, the ultimate, goal, yeah. the ultimate goal of all the Borg is to assimilate the entire all universe. Of it. Yeah. Right. But it's it's so, a little weirdly written, I'll give you that. Thing. Yeah. The Again, motivations are... Shoehorning the, the, this new character, the Borg Queen, into this movie, for in one way, because it's a movie, it gives... It gives you a villain instead of just being a... Which a you need. ...collective, right? Mm-hmm. Which I think is why they did it, because they couldn't... You need someone to identify as the antagonist. You can't, can't just, just be a punch a hundred of these things and go, well, that one's got an antenna that's glowing. You know, punch that yeah. one too. No, it needs to be personified, <laughs> Jacob. Yeah. Right. So it makes sense for the movie, but it kind of ruins the original of the Borg being this faceless collective. There uh, is some clever stuff with using data. You know, the the synthetic man who wants to be human, right? Like there's some good yeah. pathos there that they're attempting to get at. It, it can totally. be a little... That's why I really like the data Borg Queen scenes. But yeah, they're going because for it. That is kind of data's whole thing is that he's trying to become more human and she's offering the opportunity to have skin and, and have the sensation of touch and stuff like that, which he's never experienced before. The yeah. cover of the DVD or I guess the streaming window, I don't know how you say that anymore. Um, Thumbnail maybe? Is, <laughs> I guess so is a picture of Data with the half face. So obviously they were incredibly proud of that image. It's only in the film for what would you guys say, about five minutes maybe total? Yeah, yeah, right at the end, basically. Yep, yep. But uh, I do like Data's arc in this better than in Generations where they're just doing the Very emotion much. chip thing. Uh, and they yeah. me- they mentioned that and he turns it off. He's like, this this Borg stuff is too serious, Data. Turn off your emotion chip. And yeah, he's like, all like right, done. Anxiety, but then she yeah. turns it back on, you know? So it's yeah. like, okay. 
Okay. Uh, and that's kind of his over, you know, he's Pinocchio. He wants to be a real boy more than anything. Uh, and he never She's will bring that to him. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we get up to the climax of the movie. Uh, well, I wanted to talk about the hollow hollow deck scene again, because I hollow sweet scene. I think that's a great scene. Right. Uh, where he's like, Oh, wrong chapter. Uh, blast yeah. a bunch of Borg with the Tommy gun. That's really fun. Uh, and then we get, uh, you know, the the rocket taking off, timed with the board, you know, the board queen trying to, you know, talking to Picard and everything, and maybe uh, blowing up the ship to which they sort of intersect, and he just says, yeah. "No, nah, they're just here to to wish you well. Let, we'll keep going, Zephram." Yeah. So oh yeah. Ahead, where where Patrick Stewart uh, wants to fight the rest of the crew is like, we got to get out the ship. We got to blow it up. Finally, they convince him to blow it up. They set the auto destruct sequence. Then he's like, oh, Data is still here. I need to save Data. Uh, so he goes and saves Data. Data uh, does this whole thing where he pretends like he's working with the Borg Queen, but really he was he shooting past the rocket. Uh, yeah. yeah. So it turns so out she Data's told him still to blow good. up the Zephyr and Cochran ship because yeah, they're so on their first flight. He torpedoes out because uh, Zephyr and Cochran needs to do the first flight so the Vulcans will see them. So they'll make first contact. So everything happens like it should. Um, and so then they, you know, kill the Borg Queen. The and, uh, coolest image I think in the entire film is yeah the the CG poison smoke looks cool, but the Borg skeletons, Jacob, spinal cord that have been melted away, the organic parts that just leave the techno hus, fucking like some Terminator rhyme, shit. dude. Yeah, oh, it's very oh, Terminator. Yes, it is. It's yeah. it's I love it. And to be fair, her entrance coming down is a spinal cord and an upper clavicle. Like, that's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of cool. What are we thinking? Early special effects? Was that a stop motion-y? Was she a puppet there? Or maybe some sort of animatronic, perhaps? I don't know. Probably, maybe. I would guess, like, a puppet, but the face is CG on that scene uh, when she's going yeah. to the body. I know the, the costume that Alice Krieg, who played the board queen, had to wear was extremely uncomfortable. Oh. Uh, she could only wear it for, like, four minutes at a time. Well, she had contact, like silver contacts, and she could only oh. wear it for like four minutes at a time. And the, the costume gave her blisters and stuff. Oh, well, how about uh. Lavar? I, I would assume similar contact situation. Uh, yeah. So he 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 has doesn't have his visor for the first time in this movie. He has ocular implants, which they don't they never explain why. Uh, but the real reason is that Lavar Burton behind the scenes had been lobbying for years to lose the visor because he felt that it impacted his acting ability to not see your eyes like the eyes are a big part of acting yes. right mm-hmm. uh and if you remember in generations they put uh you know the the duras sisters put like some shit in his visor to like we hacked hack your it. visor yep yeah. yep okay so i think that's the explanation of like fuck the visor we're just going with ocular implants from now on so he has these robot eyes mm-hmm but um, yeah, a lot of contacts. Brett Spiner gets to wear one contact for a little bit instead of two, awesome. like he had for his whole career. Awesome. Um, but yeah, we get the double cross, Borg Queen. We yeah. get a, the Terminator spine. You know, Kirk has to badassly break it. You know, we don't need to study yeah. this. Uh, this and important Borg tech. So she's, you know, kind of says she's still alive because she lights up or whatever. She's just a skeleton. She's just a spinal cord with a skull on top of it, a metal mm-hmm. skull. And then he snaps the spinal cord. That's a reference to the Borg in the show. At one point, there's a Borg that says like human 
uh, sever at third vertebrae. Death is instantaneous or whatever. So he's, huh. he severs her at the third vertebrae in the spinal. Oh, I didn't realize that. That's a that's deep awesome. cut. Wow. Wow. How, how about that? And I think Alice Krieg is great as the Borg Queen. Uh, the Borg Queen does make future appearances in Voyager. Uh, I'd have to go back to watch that to see how that kind of fits in canon. But because uh, I don't know how she ends up back in the Delta Quadrant from after this movie. Voyager is a different timeline. It's not the same queen. This queen's dead now in the Enterprise timeline. No, but it happens in the prime timeline parallel to Deep Space Nine. But if the queen goes back in time and then dies in the past, then the future. Oh, you're right. Then there's no present queen. Ah, I hate time travel. I don't know. They probably explained (laughs) this on Voyager, but I don't remember how. We have more than one queen. You know that we 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 have many queens and many hives. Download, yeah. That yeah, you be, just, yeah. If there are more than like, one of her, body is less important because it makes like, more yeah. sense that yeah. there's cells with queens. Several. When you look at your hard drive to how it's all broken down, where it's like videos is this much memory, blah blah blah. Whatever takes the biggest chunk would be in charge, and if you partition that hard drive and like transfer it to something else, it's like that's all still there. Like the videos, you would still have a billion yeah. videos, right? So that would be Colin, the biggest thing. You're 100 percent correct. I think that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. The collective uh, is nothing but a cloud drive. Yeah, they all yeah, are having constant copies that of the same data. Is not even here, the board queen. You here, can say it's just her consciousness downloaded into that body. We're we're It's just up, a Jacob. remote. It's it's remote uh, desktop. It's just remote desktop. This vessel. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. We're wrapping yeah. up, and I don't want to infringe too much on the segment we're about to jump over Ooh. to the, the yeah. quiz, the real wrap up. But um, I think it's worth saying, Jacob. Who is the other guy? Not Rondi Moore. Ben Ben Brana. Brandon, What's his name? Brandon Braga. Brandon Braga. Brandon yeah. Braga went on to do a lot of Orville stuff, which heavily yeah. features a robot antagonistic society that is yes. built around a collective or whatever. I, to me, that's where it's like too much, man. <laughs> well, he does Enterprise too. Very similar mm-hmm. to Star Trek because Seth MacFarlane wow. just wanted to make a Star Trek show. Yeah, uh, but Brandon Braga was also showrunner on enterprise for i think the first three seasons so he did do a lot of that uh early space flight human stuff that ties in borga contract yeah and so truly is that i mean you said the that archer captain archer mm-hmm. his yeah. father worked with zephyr is it supposed to be yes. like 20 years after this film 30 years after his this father film? is dead like in 100. the current day of enterprise but worked with and i think zephyr cochran is dead at that point but they okay. worked together in the early days of designing the warp core uh and then archer became the first captain of the the enterprise nx01 which is the first first warp capable ship earth that, ship yeah yeah and not it's not federation yet because no, some guy said to him as he was looking at a telescope that's our ship the enterprise and he was like oh well when i make yeah. our first yeah. ship we'll just call it the enterprise they say um, uh, enterprise was 2151 so about 90 years okay. after this we have longer lifespan at this oh. time period for humans yeah. roughly so 90 so his years was yeah. in his 20s in the 60s so he was an old man and died yeah yeah yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, okay. Wow. <laughs> That's there you wild. Go. <laughs> uh, I love yeah. Enterprise. I wish we got a movie. Enterprise is great. You know, I was rewatching it. I can't it. imagine, guys. It's a lot so of underrated. If you like boiler suits. Season five. I don't know. Gotcha. Season good, five of Enterprise is going tangent. to be about the the beginning of the forming of the Federation. Like after they did the, the whole temporal Cold War and 
and the uh, Zindi and all that stuff. Temporal they're going to start. Cold War. I love this. It's, what a great yeah. series Jesus of words. The Temporal Christ. Cold War. I love the it. Temporal yeah. Cold War. It's a Cold War, War through time. Uh, but this is where we I'll get all the time authority and the, the laws. I've seen I know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. Well, they're like, man, that Riker guy came through here and changed history. We got to like set up time rules. That's when they start sending the time police to Enterprise. Like, guys, Good. time travel is fucking yes. crazy. Let's stop it. So, <laughs> so start. So the Federation, they have a prime directive where you don't meddle with other species. The temporal crime directive is you don't meddle in other time. The TVA. They, yeah. Right. It kind of functions similar to the TVA in yeah. the show, really. In, fascinating and you guys don't have to say this but i'm sure there's an in-canon excuse but does it make sense um canon wise that that uh what's his name uh will wheaton is not wesley yes. is not involved yes. in any of these movies 100 me doing no he's okay. not what happened to him i forget he joins the travel he just joins a crazy oh, space right. guy to adventure he the deep depths of the Picard. universe yeah <laughs> right so he he but he is there, joins is these, there like, a reason does he beings. just he wasn't acting at this point or something he lowered the they, ratings he wasn't very popular on the show and they wanted to write him out because people out. didn't like it <laughs> but he was oh, the whole thing they, they built bad. him up as this like young genius character where he's like this genius he's like this uh child you know child savant or whatever he was just mm-hmm. really good at everything yeah. uh and so then this interstellar being is like you should join the traveler and then he does show up in picard season two as a traveler and it's like uh you know he's current day will wheaton but he's like i'm an interstellar being or whatever so non-corporeal now yeah so he, he just yeah. joins the universe basically so he's doing um, his thing yeah okay. but i have but, a couple of Gates thoughts McFadden was his mom you know dr Bill yeah that's Crush. why i'm i'm wondering yeah yeah so her only son, well, in this up to this point, her only son is traveling well, the galaxy. Picard season three. Maybe one day. I but I, I do have a <laughs> yeah. couple last kind of notes before we get to the quiz and then final nice. wrap-ups. Yeah. My, my biggest question with this, despite the Borg. All right. When they're on the deflector dish fighting the Borg, right? And Worf mm-hmm. cuts the guy's arm off. Some cool stuff. Some wire work. Very slow. But um, depressurization. In he starts depressurizing. Seconds. How does he fix that? Did I look he, away? No, Mike. There remember. are a couple moments. <laughs> How does he survive that? Just, he literally puts his hand on it and goes, damn. And he gets in another fight because Picard's outside and then he gets a scene with Alfie yeah. Ward. And you're just he like, only has oh, 45 right seconds and that yeah, scene is 30 know. minutes long. I don't know. So, so he just toughs it out. He just toughs out being depressurized. Got it. I wanted to be yeah. sure it wasn't just me. I rewound it. I was like, what that. did I miss? They they write this movie like it's TV <laughs> in that they're just like, and if a plot thread gets dropped, like, that's fine. <laughs> it's like, well, no, you kind of have to, like, answer all they're the questions the in movies. And they're like, do we, though? It's just bizarre. Yeah. They set up the ticking clock. Oh, shit. 45 seconds. They're like, ah, fuck it. <laughs> just, right. he's fine now but anyway that's a nitpick but i didn't notice that it's not a nitpick it's very strange <laughs> how did he survive yeah, yeah. they're trying to use the deflector dish so picard and wharf and uh lieutenant hawk neil mcdonough hawk amazing save him mm-hmm. <laughs> maybe my favorite star trek character <laughs> neil, character actor neil mcdonough with hair was incredibly powerful <laughs> sure Card says his name once um, to show that he cares about his crew. Lieutenant <laughs> oh, yeah. Hawk, how are you? Mm-hmm. How's your uh, dad? It's okay, assimilated. Mind. That's, you know, oh. that whole thing. But yeah. I'll kill you if you do. <laughs> That's right. Without thinking twice. That's the other thing is Picard doesn't care about anyone that gets assimilated except Data, and he risks everything to go back and save yeah. Data. Yep. 
Well, he gets told so off by Lily. <laughs> he finally gets uh, snapped into it. Somebody's yeah. below the line true, doesn't yeah. matter to him. And that's why I love that scene with him, <clears throat> him and Lily where she talks him down and he realizes he's wrong. And that's like something that I feel like, you know, Kirk wouldn't do. It's like, oh, I'm listening to someone else's perspective and I realize I am taking this too far, basically. Well, and mm-hmm. literally there's a moment later where it's like, and walk. I'm sorry I called you a coward. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, that was a mean thing to yeah. do. And he's like, yeah, you're right. It was. Yeah. Really I, calling I, a Klingon really uh, coward to, your, to their face is like yeah. you have a death wish at that point. Especially when you brokered Klingon peace, Picard. Like, you, you are. <laughs> you motherfucker. Yeah, you, it's just so that's dirty. Like, but again, no, but I like that he gets called out. by his vengeance. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. And we like did have to do Moby Dick twice. Yeah. Moby Dick, you know. What do you what do you do when you need to quote some some literature in your Star Trek? Well, we'll turn to Moby Dick, so help the me greatest God. novel. Ever so written. help me God. The white whale of Paramount chasing a good Star Trek film is getting them as well. But um, again, it's great that she catches them with literature, but then she hasn't even read the book. Like the, the scenes with Worf and her when they're calling out Picard, that's like the best yes. stuff because he's acting so yes. out of character that when someone yells at him for it and he <laughs> reflects on it and changes, that's good. So give him credit yeah. for that. Borg Queen weaker, broke your but little yeah. Ships. yeah, yeah, he broke your little ships. little ships, and he loves his little ships. He really does. That's right. The Stargazer, yeah. my first command. The only time uh. you ever see that uh, display of all the <clears throat> uh, former Enterprises gold uh, little models. That's the only time you ever see that on the on the Enterprise. But it's pretty cool. the Enterprise E. It's the only time we see the E. Yeah. Hmm. Well, speaking yeah, of the so E, guess... that's one letter past, um, that's one letter before F, so that's a grade you can get on a quiz. So I'm thinking, maybe is it that's now right. time to jump into the pop quiz? Yeah, if you quiz got an E and... on the quiz, that'd be pretty bad. Uh, yeah, almost as bad as an F. <laughs> but let's see if we can assimilate some of these knowledge questions on the Wrath of Cobb right after this. We're back here on Normies Like Us, where we have been talking first contact. We made first contact, so we're ready here now to ramp mm-hmm. things up, talking second contact, and of course, taking wow Jacob's quiz. The ra- is it still Wrath of Cobb if we're in the, the TNG generation? Um, anyway. What could we call it in this generation? The Wrath what of is, Borg? Yeah, there's not a good villain <laughs> through line for any of these movies. I'm telling no. you, no. you get the Borg. First contact. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay, you've done it. You've done it. All right. There go. First contact. Oh, I love it. I'm I love excited. It. Okay. Um, before we jump <laughs> into the quiz, I wanted to ask you guys: What did you think of Zethrin Cochran's uh, taste in music? Listening to "Magic Carpet Ride" by Steppenwolf. We we texted off pot about it, and what I found fascinating is we all have a different thing associated to yes. that song. Where I texted yes. you guys, I was like. Man, when did Austin Powers come out? Because that's what that song makes me think of. Like 97 or 98, yeah. right? Yeah, right after this. Yeah, and I but remember like ride. iPod yeah. commercials. It was like on the, iPod when they, everyone's dancing in cubes. Yeah. And then For I me, lime-wired it. I had this <laughs> this NASCAR racing game. I mean, assimilated. I think on the GameCube. Amazing. Mm-hmm. I barely remember, but that was like the song that would play when the t- you know on the title screen when you turn the game on. So I always associate with this weird NASCAR racing game. A 1968 song. <laughs> but yeah, that you know, good song. Band from the 60s. Uh, I call them a two-hit wonder because they had 
two hit songs that everyone knows, Born to be Wild and oh, Magic Carpet huh. Ride. Step in and wow. then they went on to attack the Justice League. <laughs> the Snyder that's right. Cut. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Uh, all right. Let's jump into First Cobtact. Magic Cobtact wow. Ride. Now, uh, uh, if you're listening, you know how we do this, where Jacob's going to read what's essentially a, a true or false question. Mike and I are going to guess on that. We're going to mm-hmm. say our true or false. But if you're watching along, which you can always do at our YouTube channel, at Normies Like Us, uh, mm-hmm. you'll see our little videos and you can play along too. And we're, we'll be doing little hand gestures to kind of show what Mike That's and I right. are voting on. Mm-hmm. So get ready. One for true, two They're for false. true or false. I do have one question that's not true or false, like last time with the uh, page, page master. Might not be as good of a trivia bit as the page master. That was right? good. Uh, and in Normie's update, I have watched page master since then. Did not <laughs> nice. hold up. Was not a no. good deal. But it did contain those cameos <laughs> and collaborations that he mentioned <laughs> as advertised. It had Patrick yeah. Stewart as Adventure or whatever it was. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah, it was amazing. Great. Um, all let's right, let's it. jump in. First question. Yeah, uh, Jonathan right. Frakes. Jonathan mm. Frakes, director of this movie, earned the nickname Two Takes Frakes while shooting this <laughs> film. Is that true or false? <laughs> and baby, I'm, I'm locked, locked in. in. Lock it in. <laughs> yeah. right, three, two, one, reveal. Going true. with true. Going with that true. is true. They called him Hell Two yeah. Takes Frakes because he was so good. He was, you know, again, that TV mentality. Good. Two takes and we're done. <laughs> Good for for budget, I guess. <laughs> Moving on. Uh, yeah, yeah. Two takes. Yeah, breaks. I, I. Hey, it's me, script supervisor, John. I hate to be one of these guys. Worf definitely sets up this thing where his like spacesuit is cut, and we have not <laughs> shot anything like responding to that. We we got it. I'm good. We'll Let's post. move on. <laughs> you're wrong. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you're wrong. We made it up. <laughs> uh, <laughs> That's All right, false. Next question. Oh, we need him for this. Oh my god. Do. Right. Oh. Do. do your best <laughs> number ones to answer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh all right. This movie was originally going to be called Star Trek Resurrection. Hmm. Hmm. Star hmm. Trek Resurrection. Hmm. Let's just say another movie was announced that they're like, oh shit, we can't do that. But true or false? All right, I'm ready. I'm locked in. Lock him in. Let's see. Right. Three, two, one. Reveal. It's a true. Say true. That is true. Uh, they wanted to do. Obviously, 20th Century Fox announced Alien Resurrection. Uh, so Star Trek was like shit. That could have been a bonus. Uh, other names they considered were Star Trek Borg, Star Trek Destinies, Star Trek Future Generations, and huh. Star Trek Generations Two, which. Would have been a terrible name, but because we didn't even get Wait, a generation one. Well, I guess yeah, generation two. You're I, right, I want to ask you two actually, since you are Star Trek gurus. I was thinking about this because I think First Contact is a great name. So mm-hmm. we've had like um, Final Frontier, right? First Contact. What are the other big like Star Trek terms that they haven't put into a title yet that you got? Prime Directive. Prime Directive. Prime Directive. That's that a good one. Star Trek. Prime Directive. That would be really Paramount. That's free. Yeah. Use that. Yeah, that's what, the what? Strange New Worlds movie, dude. That would be. Oh, that is the Strange I, New oh, Worlds yeah. movie. Prime Directive. Do that, you guys. Jacob, can you think of well, another Strange term? New Worlds? That's another Star Trek term that they turned into a title, yes, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, I have like, another uh, Final Frontier. I got one. Deep Space Nine movie. Uh, the rules of acquisition. 
Yeah. <laughs> it's a Ferengi. A Ferengi. Yeah, you go. <laughs> well, I, I've got episode. one. It's called yeah, the Grand Vegas. Mort. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, Mort. Um, yeah, Mort, that's what it is. Yeah, yeah, Vic Fontaine. Character that never talks. Star yeah. Trek Fontaine. Well, we, Vic Fontaine almost <laughs> makes a cameo in this movie. <laughs> we do get well, some Deep Space Nine cameos. Actually, yeah. yeah, I didn't mention it, but uh, number one, we have Robert Picardo, the, the emergency... Er, bleh, emergency DMH. medical hologram, aka the doctor in Voyager, Robert Picardo, oh. makes a cameo uh, as a different version because basically, so in Voyager, he's a hologram. Oh. He's, a, he's an emergency medical hologram, exactly what he sounds like. Uh, if the doctor is busy or dead or something, he can step in and become a temporary doctor. So on Voyager, when they get sent to the uh, Delta Quadrant, their doctor does die, so they need a doctor. Wow. So they, they keep him on, and he evolves into becoming more than what he was originally programmed as. Huh. He gets a whole sentience arc. Movie, Am I yeah. a human or property? That kind of thing. Yeah. But this I also one... see Robert Picardo play the, the scientist that invented that in Deep Space Nine. Uh, kind of like a Noonien right. Sung thing, yeah. Yeah. Sure, that's good. But this, that he's just a, he's a standard issue medical hologram. But the other, this, so. yeah. The other cameo, Colin, it's sort of Vic Fontaine-ish, is Ethan Phillips, who played Neelix in Voyager, makes an appearance in the holodeck uh, when they go in the holodeck, uh, but he's not playing Neelix. He's playing a human hologram. He's like the, the bouncer or whatever. They should have, guy. you know who that should have been. They should have cycled through a couple things, and I would have liked to see Moriarty be there. That would have been yeah. cool. Oh, man. Get Moriarty. Yeah, just bring him in. Any holodeck uh, regulars. Right guests would yep. be fun but uh all right let's get back to the quiz here you think um, the computer would recycle faces it's not going to generate a million <laughs> new ones well yeah actually right. real quick just because we were saying cameos mike i don't think you did say but barclay does show up in this movie that's that was barclay you were excited about. geeks out over barclay. uh yeah he geeks out over cochran as he say, would sir yeah i just want to shake your hand <laughs> i know this is strange and he's kind of nervous and then you know the forge has to be like, Barkley, Reg, or whatever, you know, maybe the yeah, friends. Reg, there. Come on. It's very brief, but it was good to see Barkley because I mentioned in the last yeah. one he would be perfect for this whole like I want to go to the dream world and forget my problems right. uh angle. So at least he shows up here. But I, I love know. the uh I love the Robert Picardo cameo. Mm -hmm. And you probably didn't even notice, Colin, the Ethan no. Phillips uh Neelix no. cameo. I didn't even uh, notice that one, but uh, that I noticed how weird the shot was to prominently show you don't you ain't supposed to be in here. Jimmy the nose, they don't even know you. I was like, okay, this yeah. is a guy who's like saying a million lines. Yeah, where's Jeffrey Combs? Come on. Was yeah. played by uh uh Donna's dad in that 70s show. Yes. I only know that because yep. I've been rewatching oh, yeah. that. Absolutely. On Absolutely, Bob nice. uh, Pinciotti. <laughs> All right, back to first. Let's get back to the quiz, though. That's so right. you guys are two for two so far. I can't mm -hmm. fool you guys more. Apparently. Uh, all right. Next question. George Clooney was almost cast as Zephyr Cochran. Ooh. True or false? I'm George locked in. Clooney. Think about locked you know in. what was he doing in the '90s? A little bit before he. Broke out as a huge star. When the hell is Batman? 98. This is 96. Okay. Yeah. True or false? Three, two, one. Reveal. True. Yeah, false. We're on a split. That is false. I was throwing ah. a little curve at you. It wasn't George Clooney, but Tom Hanks. Oh, they Tom wanted Tom Hanks. Hanks. Oh. Tom uh, Hanks, a, a noted lover of Star Trek. That's very yeah. interesting. Yeah. 
So imagine huh. Tom Hanks instead of James Cromwell in that role. I don't know. I don't know if they it would work. Tom as well. Hanks in Deep Space Nine during that Hollow Suite. There's no crying in baseball. You know, he could have <laughs> right. yet, yet said that to oh, Cisco's that son. Good, <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Next um, question. All right. Mike pulls away. Yeah, we got one away. Out. You're a little curveball at you there. Next question. Ridley Scott and John McTiernan both turned down offers to direct this movie. John McTiernan, who directed Die Hard. Ridley Scott, you know him. Uh, Alien, obviously. Blade Runner. Many other movies. Okay. I think I'm ready. Ready? Mm-hmm. Three, two, one, reveal. Go true. true. That is true. Okay. Wow. That is true. They wanted Ridley Scott or John McTiernan. Instead, they got two takes freaks. <laughs> the step down was to go. Now, Jacob, do you think at that point you're going, we're not going to get the big person we're going for. Let's just conserve this budget. I guess so. Yeah. Yeah. Because if you get like, especially Ridley Scott or something, if looking back, right, that name sells yeah. tickets. You you get sure. more money. Yeah. So if you're not going to get either of them, you might as well. And John McTiernan, he's not as big of a name, but people know Die Hard. And they're like, oh, John McTiernan directed a bona fide hit. Yeah. 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 At that time period, he's, he's probably done got sci fi before. Right? Yeah. But um, makes me feel bad for Freaks because I, I, I wanted to say false because I was hoping. They were just like, you know what? You're a Star Trek guy. We love you. But no, you are yeah. third choice. Well, obviously it worked out because he went on to do Insurrection next. And a bunch of stuff. We'll talk you about know. next month. Yeah. Other series and all uh, that. Um, Good for him. All right. Ready. So the score is uh, three to three to four. four. Three to four, Mike. Next question. Uh, oh, yes. We talked about this earlier. James Cromwell was the first actor in Star Trek history to actually utter the phrase Star Trek. Oh, all right. I, okay. I to utter the phrase Star Trek. Okay, yes. so this he was says, my what is question. This, a Star Trek or something? Mm. So we're you're in the middle sort of... of Trek through the stars. <laughs> yeah, but he actually just said, yeah, you're on a Star Trek. I am going to say... I'm ready. Okay, yeah, I'm locked in. Lock it in. All right. All right. Three, two, one, reveal. False. I they said false too. Before. They come on. It is true. Someone. <gasps> uh, beca- uh, uh, because I said, you know, just the phrase Star Trek, he's the only one to ever mm. say it in that way. Q in the TNG finale, All Good Things, does say it's time to put an end to your trek through the stars. Wow. But he doesn't uh, say never Star in that Trek like Star. Zephyr Cochran does. Wow. Yeah. Okay. I got gotcha. Incredible. <laughs> And again, uh, we should say all these movies post the series. So, yeah. yes, I, I always have to tell myself that when I'm watching them, they never yeah. feel that way. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, this was during the heyday of DS9 and Voyager, because basically wow. DS9 started in the middle of TNG. Voyager right. started in the middle of DS9. So there's always one overlapping with the other. And then Enterprise happened after Voyager. Uh, and then we didn't get any new Star Trek for like 15 years. Wow. Mm-hmm. But now we do. Um, yep. Next question. Half good. <laughs> yeah, mm. it's a mixed bag. Yeah, I'd rather have half good than no good. That's true. Right. Uh, all right. Whoopi Goldberg turned down an offer to return as guy in this movie. True or false? Boy, she was barely in the last one. Right. Um, I'm locked in. I am too. Lock it in. Yeah. Three, two, one. Reveal. True. Is that true too? We're tying tying it up. That was false. I I got you ah. again. 
She didn't She's turn down an offer. She just doesn't care at this they point. Yeah, they're well, not bringing her back. Oh, yeah, they I'm didn't ask her show. to come back yeah. for this movie. And she even said, like, I was surprised because her character, Guinan, the El Orians were uh, like genocided by the Borg. So she's like, how can you do a Borg story without oh. me, Guinan? Okay. Yes, yeah. you can. The, so, hold on. The listeners of the universe were killed by the Borg? <laughs> Interesting. That's right. Malcolm McDowell. Uh, Dang. So yeah, Nexus. she wanted to come back, but they didn't ask her. Um, That's rude. All right. I know, right? Whoopi Goldberg. Very strange. Uh, what if she got paid question. for Page Master? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Don't worry, guys. <laughs> yeah, she's fine. Uh, Avery Brooks filmed a cameo as Captain Benjamin Sisko, but it was cut. True or false? Okay. Boy, I would like to find it regardless, so let's see. I'm ready. <laughs> All right. Three, two, one, reveal. True? I went false. So depending on how this goes, it could tie it up. That is false. Ah. Okay. Um, there ahead. was a rumor at the time that he was going to have a cameo in it, but it was not true. Interesting. Uh, yes. should have it's should so have. do you think there that the the choice by Picard to put all of his power in his first film with generations to go well we're not going to do a movie unless we get the original crew there that was truly just to be tied to what started this whole thing it's not a spread out like he never in his mind did it cross to be like and then one of our movies will cross with DS9 and DS9 will do a movie that crosses with something else Maybe down the line they had that idea, but yeah, uh, it diminished I mean, returns. Does appear in the pilot of DS9, and it's very yeah. interesting because Cisco actually doesn't like Picard because going back to Wolf Three Five Nine, the battle with the Borg, uh, uh, Cisco's wife was in that battle and died. Uh, so Cisco's wife was killed by the Borg. Cisco blames Picard for that because he was Locutus of Borg at that time. So he actually, it's a very interesting dynamic they have where they meet in the pilot of DS9 and like Cisco is like, like mean. To very him. Like, confrontational you know, towards yeah. Picard. Yeah. And Picard has to make this kind of forced apology where you can yeah, tell Picard's he's pained like, from what he had to do as oh. Locutus. Yeah. He, he's facing the consequence. Are you, do you know who Locutus was? I could show you a picture of him. He's no, legally distinct you. from me and I could not be <laughs> held accountable. Technically, technically yeah. you can't be mad. Ask my space lawyer. Yep. <laughs> It would have been wild to have Cisco in one of these movies. I would have uh, liked it. Alas, one of my favorite captains. Was not yep. to be. Nope. I would have all loved right. a DS9 movie, but. Um, yep. All right, next question. LeVar Burton lobbied for years to lose the visor. That we already talked about. Yep. Talked about. False. <laughs> that was true. Uh, you know, you need the eyes. You need the eyes to emote, right? Uh, mm hmm. Okay, one more true-false, and then one uh, not true-false that could be an extra credit or something Super like that. Super bonus. It's worth yeah. 500 points. Mm -hmm. but I think, uh, what's the score currently? Mike's Six winning? To five. Six to Six four. To five. Six to five. I got it. I'm head by two, yeah. All right. Uh, okay, last true or false. All right. The USS Defiant which was built for the sole purpose of fighting the Borg, uh, appears in the beginning of this movie, but this was the only time it fights the Borg. It's shown fighting the Borg in oh. Star Trek. Oh my god. Interesting. And I True never finished DS9. 
So oh, right. I see. finished I, it. I quit when the Defiant was introduced. So <laughs> you quit at the best. You quit right before it hits like the best part of the no, show. No, I <laughs> so. like random adventures on a satellite. <laughs> this is all of my credibility on the line. I'm I'm locked in, but I don't like it. <laughs> Lock it in. All right. uh, I'm locked in. All right. All right. Three, two, one. Reveal. Gotta be false. I said true. That's true. <laughs> oh, wow. The, Defiant, the story behind the Defiant was that it was created because they needed like an offensive ship to fight the board because most uh, Federation ships are built for, you know, going around doing science and diplomacy and stuff. They're not built for war. So they made this yeah. warship, the USS Defiant, to fight the Borg. But this is the only time it was shown actually fighting the Borg because they give it to DS9 for the Dominion War. So it's fighting the Dominion and the Cardassians oh. and all that stuff. But they never had the they never featured the Borg in DS9. Gem Hadar, if you will. Yes. That's right, the Gem Hadar. But they could uh, have come through the wormhole from the Delta Quadrant. They just never did. Yeah. And yeah, I was, I was trying to think of all the CG battles. Did I ever see the Defiant fire at a cube? And I couldn't place one in my mind. So I no, went with uh, that. That's Voyager true. was the big uh the big Borg, Borg show later on. DS9 mm-hmm. was doing its own thing with the Dominion War. And the Kazon uh, and really the Bajorans stick. and the Cardassians and yeah. Yeah, Voyager, I like the, the Kazon and the Herogen. Yeah. yeah. But uh, we have one super question. I think is Mike's it... won this, but I would say if this is worth three, then Colin could tie and we have a one. Here we yeah. go. Yeah. I'd say it's <laughs> probably worth that. Question. How do we um, format the answering? Yeah. How do we buzz in? There's one answer. Uh, I'll, so there's, it's, there's an answer that's a number. So I'll read the question and it'll make more sense. Okay. Oh, okay. So, well, hold on, hold on. We'll, we will buzz in to answer. So, yes, yes, Mike, yes. quickly say, um, you will be assimilated. <laughs> yeah. That first. Well, I like the it. question yeah. and then yeah. you can both answer at the same time with your guess. guess. Oh, does that make sense? I guess there's, if no, there's a range no. of numbers, then yeah. If it's yes. not one where we're both going to go, well, this is uh, the obvious answer. Okay. No, it could be, uh, yeah. It, Seems when, like he's got it figured out. So, okay. so <laughs> if you know it right away, just problem. yell it out. <laughs> no, don't, yeah. don't, don't yell it okay. out. Okay, um, we're not doing that. I will, okay, so, I will yell it out. Star Trek, <laughs> Star Trek is known, of course, for having certain actors come back and play different roles. Jeffrey Coombs, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tony Todd has played a, a few different roles. Um, James Cromwell. James Cromwell. Zelfrin Cochran has played other roles in Star Trek before this role. How many individual roles has he played in Star Trek, not False. including this one? <laughs> so not, not including, including this one, how many other ones has wow. he played? I, w- I would not have guessed that he was a repeater. Yeah. So net minus one. That's what we're looking for. Or gross. Gross minus one. Yes. Um, or, you can, or you can do it with this. I don't know. Whichever you... <laughs> Yeah, makes do total. Sense. Say how many total. Okay, total including this one. Got yeah, it. Okay, that's fine. One. Okay. Um, so you can both guess, and then I'll say which one's right. So I guess whoever gets closer to the correct answer wins the question. I'm going to say the correct answer. So I'm not right. worried about it. <laughs> Where do we say the answer? I could write it down. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you just both say it, I won't say which one's right beforehand, right? So we'll say, he'll do a three, two, one, and we'll say a number both at the same <laughs> sure. time. That works. <laughs> it's the easiest way to do it. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, are you ready? Mm-hmm. I'm ready. All right. Three, two, one, reveal. Three. I said three. He said six. Okay. I said six. <laughs> Including this one, the answer is four. 
Whoa. So what does that mean? I'm closest by one. Mike's closest. Not necessarily prices right rules. It's just he is closest. Four. Do you have the other series, Jacob? Yeah. So before before being in this movie, he was in he was he played two different roles in the next generation in two different episodes, and then one episode of DS9. And in two of those, I think he was an alien. So he never or it might have been all an alien in all three. So he never played a human before Zephyrin Cochran, but he was Weird. different species of aliens. Yeah. Of course I'm back to work with you guys. Remember <laughs> when I played that Romulan that one time? And you're like, yeah, I guess yep. so, James. Yeah. James, Jonathan, in, in what are you doing he, this uh, summer? The whole gang's back together, including me, James Cromwell. <laughs> mm-hmm. In DS9, he played an alien from the Gamma Quadrant who's like, uh, who's does business with Quark. Um, sure. I, I don't. I actually think I have seen that episode. Yeah. Here's your one out. So, I guess he's a fan of uh, Star Trek, or just yeah. a fan of working and getting paid. I told yeah. you guys he has a very Rene Aubergenois energy, where yes. I guarantee yes. that they went out for very similar parts. <clears throat> and he's all skinny white guy who's Rene. like a flustered, you know, like <laughs> authority figure. Yeah. Right? R.I.P. Gruffness. Yeah. yeah. R.I.P. to Odo. Yep. Um, I don't think James Cromwell is doing very good. So uh, fingers oh, crossed to him. Oh, Much love. Very old. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe so. And he gets arrested, I believe, every day. So God love he's him. Like, uh, he's like very into environmental activism. Yeah, so, very much for so. him. Last thing I, I saw him in was uh, he showed up in Succession, my favorite show. Uh, yeah. Gotta love James Cromwell. Plays nice. Brian Cox's brother in that. Um, oh, that's really good casting. That's <laughs> yeah. great. I mean, I like George Miller, Babe, Pig in the City, Babe, you know. That's right. The classic <laughs> Cromwell. This was before Babe. <laughs> it was 98. So, that'll uh, do. Two years before Babe. If he was yeah, the captain, God. he'd say, that'll do. Instead of make that'll it so. That, that's his thing. He should have said, that'll do. Said, in the, that's right. Are, we can't take off yet. Oh, wait. And he puts it in, and it's him saying, that'll do. <laughs> that'll <laughs> do. It's just a, he just bangs just on the do. panel and fixes it. That'll yeah. do. do. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> but he's immortalized forever in, in Star Wars, Star Trek lore as Zephyrin Cochran, the inventor of the warp drive. And in Enterprise, mm-hmm. does he ever come back as the voice or in a video or something, Jacob? He, you know what? He actually does appear in audio uh, taken from this movie, I believe. And he also oh, is in a amazing. Because oh, cool. has a picture of his dad with Zephyrin Cochran, I think. In That's the really cool. Yeah. There we go. Nice. And they also mention Bozeman, Montana a lot because that's the site of First Contact. And there's a whole episode where T'Pol's grandmother, she tells a story about her grandmother who looks exactly like her, of course, mm-hmm. uh, who before the official First Contact, a, a Vulcan ship crash landed on Earth and her grandmother uh, had to assimilate into human society called Carbon Creek. Pretty good episode. Yeah, these wow. Vulcans had to wear little little bandanas to hide their ears yeah. and stuff and pretend <laughs> to be course. farmers. And then, yep. and then one Vulcan guy really gets into humans is like, you know what? I'm going to stay here. I think humans are pretty cool. <laughs> now I and told like, you guys, this film was my first uh, exposure mm-hmm. to kind of seeing Trek cinema right now. When I saw that film and the Vulcans came out at the end, I was so excited. Star Trek to me meant people with pointy ears. Sure. I was almost positive. One of them was Mr. Spock yeah, and like, watching it Spock. this time. Truly Jacob. I was like, Oh, and I'm that's right. They do like a wink and the nod. It's like Sarek. It's like his dad okay. is like the because he's an ambassador. I, I bet that's who the actor is. No, I the guy doesn't look anything like him. Yes, <laughs> but I have a for you in that please. regard. That Vulcan, which they don't say it in the movie, but according to 
other Star Trek lore, that Vulcan that you see in the end is named Sakral, and that is Sarek's grandfather, Spock's great grandfather. Of course. Wow. That's why he yeah. would be ambassador. Like as a kid, that I knew that in my bones, Jake. Sure. Because it made sense lore wise. Mm-hmm. Third generation ambassador Spock, you know? Yeah. yeah. A lot of diplomacy. Very cool. Well, great quiz as usual. First Cobcat. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Congrats, Mike. It. Great quiz. Thank you. Right. Thank you. Good quiz. Thank you. We'll yeah, that's going up to balls at you. Um, no, definitely good one. Always fun to do those quizzes. You know what? First contact. It's a good movie. It's better than Generations. I think to wrap things up for me anyways, final thoughts. Uh, First Contact is my favorite TNG movie. I still say Best of Both Worlds Part 1 and 2 is a better movie, but it's not a movie. Uh, this one, I put this up there with Wrath of Khan. Uh, wow. You know, as hmm. one of the best Star Trek movies. And I like I like the action. I like the the movie stakes of it all. I don't mind Action Man Picard, even though he's different than the show. I see what they're going for there. The Borg Queen stuff, again, it works in this movie, but even though it kind of changes what the idea of what the Borg are, so I'm kind of half okay with it, but I do like the Borg Queen in this movie. And overall, I think it's it's just a good movie, and, and everyone in the crew kind of gets something to do, which I I I'll, I'll go next, because Mike, I think you like this movie a little more than me. I'll mm-hmm. let you wrap it out. Sounds um, good. I think better than a good movie, Jacob, this is a fun movie. I think this is a movie where all the characters, like you said, are highlighted in a positive way. There's a lot of really fun get on board and there's just a good energy throughout and a lot of fun scenes that make you feel that way. Um, I, I was getting a little depressed thinking about our Trek journey coming to an end here. Because we came off these films where I feel like I really do know everything about those movies, not all of them across the board, but a lot of them Mm -hmm. have so much specific history to cinema where they're like, you know, blank the motion picture. Anything called blank the motion picture is going to be a big deal to movies, you know, Superman, Star Trek, any of them all in between. Right. Uh, And the reputation for TNG movies have always just been that they're bad you know and what do you do and i was kind of getting down but then like i watched this one i liked it i don't really remember the other ones that well and then once we're out of this i kind of had my little wake up where i was like well we're doing the kelvin timeline anyways that's my favorite series of movies so actually there's a lot of good track to still look that's your favorite nice nice. some disagreements um yeah with the tng movies it's I think the general consensus is this is the best one, but it is sort yeah. of diminishing returns after this, where it's like they're kind of petering nemesis. out. And that's, yeah. that's why they only ever made four instead of six, like the original series got. And uh, by this, I mean, by the 2000s, Star Trek as a franchise was really in bad, bad condition of, with well, Enterprise being canceled, the, the movie's not doing great, and they just went into hiatus until 2008. That is an amazing point to make, Jacob. I just want to highlight that real quick mm-hmm. before Mike says his final thoughts. In that, these other films we've talked about, where it's like, look, Paramount coming off of The Godfather, we're coming off all these things. We've got the capital to throw around, but we need a property people come to. Well, I don't know. 
Star Trek, the motion picture. Oh, it was a huge deal. Okay, we blew it. Make a million more of these. And from there, they kind of like were like, well, of course, we're going to make Wrath of Khan. Well, of course, we're going to make the next one. Of course. And it just like was this domino that kept falling until the end where they're like, maybe it's not guaranteed. Now, with Generations, it's like, yeah, of course, we're going to make this movie. That's a great idea. And even I would say with this one, it's like, well, they deserve their own film. Of course, we're going to make a quote unquote, just TNG movie. But there's a good chance after this one and for everyone going forward where everyone making is like, well, this is the last Star Trek movie that'll ever get made. (laughs) Like, We're not doing well. Well, I think with with Generations, they wanted to make one that bridged the, the gap, right? Then they wanted First Contact, the first all- new cast but this was then, a huge box office success we should say no but i think it was big enough hit to justify making two more movies if this one bombed this would have been the last movie but For because sure. it did decently enough i think that they went, went on to make insurrection and nemesis uh but those you know it kind of petered out mm. and i don't know if they ever planned to make a ds9 movie or anything like that um ds9 wasn't appreciated as much in its time as it is now it's kind of a uh, it's gotten a lot more appreciation, you know, since yes. it, it was since and, it ended. And again, you just imagine the accountants at Paramount taking these pitches, showing a, a graph chart pointing downwards, going like, no, 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 we're getting yeah. out of the Star Trek business. Yeah. Yeah. The, two, the late 90s to 2000s were sort of a dark time. Coming off the high of DS9 Voyager Enterprise, then it was a dark time. Then J.J. Abrams took over. Then it was the Kelvin Universe. Now we have all these other shows, Discovery, Picard, Strange now, New World, now, Prodigy. I've made this joke before, yeah. but Paramount executives literally go, well, the thing we're going to plug up our streaming service with is anything this wizened old cowboy decides to write about goddamn Utah or fucking, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. wherever Yellowstone takes place right. and Star Trek. Wagon train in space. Another Western, basically. Because, uh, the main show might be ending soon, but the spinoffs are becoming even more popular than the main show. Sure. And they're just making so many of them with, I mean, they got Harrison Ford, uh, Colin Mirren, you know, but uh, one other thing I wanted to say last, you know, final thoughts. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Star Trek was a little ahead of its time here because if you look what they were doing with the cameos from Robert Ricardo and, and Ethan Phillips from Voyager, Oh, you sure. had yeah. actors that were on a TV show that was currently airing guest star on in a movie. Who does that now? Avengers, early, early Marvel, MCU stuff. Yeah. yeah, right. Yeah, before you know, before the '90s, no one was doing that kind of thing. Um, mm-hmm. So I really think First Contact was ahead of its time in that regard, where you had currently airing TV connecting with a movie in the same universe. When when was yeah. the X Files movie? That the first X Files movie question. was like two thousands, I think, right? Oh, okay, sure. But that's um, a but you, that's one series with a one movie thing. We're talking about yeah. multiple spinoff shows, characters from other universes. Like you had or, that's yep. yeah. wild, wild. Yeah, it's like and then the Marvel Queen comes. Today. Yeah, and then Thanos shows the up and shows up Voyager in Voyager finale. Yeah, like just, oh, that yeah. villain from it's the movie Agents here, of Shield, right? Yeah, it's pretty interesting. Um, so yeah, it's ahead of its time in that way. I mean, people kind of get it getting tired of that kind of thing maybe but i like it you know yeah the connected universe of Star yeah Trek. they were trying to do it um i guess for my final thoughts a cu- couple quick things here um i really think that the original series comes into its own through the feature films yes it becomes more well-rounded the characters are more defined there's like depth because the show the show was right. canceled 
after the third and, season. And they episodic by nature. Go. They didn't really yeah. think to write stories like that in the TV version. So they become better, I think, with the movies. But TNG, yes. I feel like, is still better as a TV show than it ever would be as a movie franchise. Absolutely. But if you had never seen the show, I think this would work for you as like an introduction to the Borg and this version of Picard and his trauma. And like, like I think it works better if you haven't seen the show because the, some of the way some of the you know characters are, I can't think of a better word, but characterized, it's a little off what we're used to. Um, yes. So having no ignorance is bliss. Like, I think this would actually work a lot better for me if I had never seen the show, right? Mm. So I don't think it's a complete failure. I just think people who like the show, it's so different tonally, it's hard for them to get on board for this version of Picard or this presentation of the universe but i don't necessarily think that's a failing of the film itself because yeah in a vacuum it's 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 pretty pretty all right like it has some pretty good scenes some interesting uh character arcs and stuff you know and it's definitely the, one of the i put it near con and you know search for spock and stuff like it's 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 one of the better ones it's in the top you know third of all star trek movies so i'll at least get yeah. that um but other thing I want to note is this is the only film in the TNG era to be nominated for any Oscar whatsoever. Oh, wow. There was effects. <laughs> makeup. The gas. Oh, makeup. the board. And makeup, yes, 100%. Course, specifically. Oh, but sure, all the sure. other, like several of the previous ones, uh, motion picture, four, six, they all were nominated for multiple awards. Some of the 2009 onward, all of those were nominated for a couple of awards, but this is the only movie in its you know, next gen era. It was nominated was for nominated. makeups, but not special effects. That's interesting. And again, yeah. it was ILM doing the effects, of course, too. Mm. Mm-hmm. But less models, more computers. So anyway, yeah. Yeah, they look so we're right. starting to see the decline, but I, we'll see what we get with Insurrection and Nemesis. I'm, I'm, I'm a little scared. Uh, I am excited for the Kelvinverse, though, to revisit that. That's going to be a big total yes. shift. I'm kind of fascinated because yeah. I haven't watched those since Beyond came out in theaters, and I haven't. I've only seen wow. that once. I'm, so yeah, we'll see. Yeah, I'm very, I'm very excited to talk about Insurrection Nemesis because I do think it's all downhill from here. First Contact is the best. Uh, having rewatched those recently, we get Dune buggies soon though. It's gonna be fun to talk about because I really dislike insurrection and i can go on a whole rant about it next month and i'm looking forward wow. to it. and we get tom hardy a month after that and then we're into the kelvin that's right verse. so yes. oh boy <laughs> you love to see it <laughs> get ready uh, well it's wild to think how far we've come on our, our trek through the it's, star treks right i was really eight, eight it was movies? really hitting me while watching this and i was like fuck we have been talking a lot of trek it's been we literally though. started almost a year ago at this point well nine months wow. if you One count month. galaxy quest yeah. T- yeah, ten because we skipped in December. Press. We took off oh, December, yeah, yeah. so we took off October almost and December. So yeah, so it's yeah, been like a look, 10, 11 yeah. months that we've been doing this. Yeah, wild. What a journey. Well, you know, our ongoing mission is to finish all these, and we are going to do just got that. Five more. Five to go, and maybe uh, we'll have a news about um, either some of the new titles we invented, you know, or uh, whatever <laughs> Star Trek Four is supposed to be. It's it's in development hell right now. That's right. It's coming. Uh, Prime directive's coming. Prime director old the cast of Picard name. will make a new movie. Ooh, yeah. boy. Oh. I don't know. Again. Here's the thing. It's not like there's any lack of Star Trek for us to talk once these nope. films no. are done. Normies, don't worry. You'll you'll get your fill, we promise. Uh, and until it, then, of course, yeah. hit us up at normies.com. Like underscore us. And send us that message of live long and prosper. Or if you just have any answers of any of the holes in this film where I'm like, what was going on there? Just be like, Colin. 
pay attention for five minutes. This is what it was. The obviously. literal hole in a space suit. You know, the literal <laughs> plot hole. I want to know. I'll say, okay, that's what the Queen Borg's plan was. Okay, well, I'll accept it. That's We're right. thinking three-dimensional. We can't it comprehend much. it. Yeah, we have human brains. This is brain. good timing to be talking about this because, obviously, Picard Season 3 is airing, and that's the one with all the TNG cast. The fans mm-hmm. wanted from the beginning, so I'm hoping that's good. Only two episodes have come out so far, but stay tuned. How, how yeah. you all have seen the first one? I've seen Let the me first ask two. You this. I, okay, so I've not watched it yet. Have we seen all of our cast members from this film in that show by this time? I think finally Except we have. Data, I think. Except I have a data, data episode, killed you, himself you in the would, last series. And yeah. you've but seen previous Brett Spiner, sure, blah, blah, blah. Yes. Now, how is everybody looking? How are, how are we holding well, up? You know, <laughs> old. I mean, they oh, look okay. They? <laughs> like, Gates McFadden looks looks really good for age, I think. I think uh, looks Patrick Stewart good for hasn't age. aged that much. I mean, he's, he's very old, but... Something something happens with Deanna Troy, Marina... What, ex- Marina say her Circus. Name for me? Marina Circus, Circus. Yeah. she looks so different in this movie, let alone to the series. I can't even imagine what she looks like now. Uh, so I'd Definitely older, yeah. I yeah. think they all look good for their age. I mean, they are actors, yeah. so, you know... LeVar Burton looks great, of course. All right. Well, this will be the final time where I make my secret plea to Mike. Uh, then if they're still looking good, bring them back for Gargoyles, baby. That's half this fucking cast. Is just <sighs> wow. Every voice on Gargoyles. You just need them to sound oh, good. Yeah. Yes. Jonathan yeah. Briggs is the villain. <laughs> so. Oh, man. Yeah. Amir Sirtis is uh, Demona. Yes. The Dude. Dude. Michael Dorn is uh, one of the Gargoyles. Right? Old Stone. Obviously, Cold Stone Creamery. The, the oh, we best. love Cold Stone. Yeah. <laughs> Gargoyle Cold Stone, my favorite. Course, That's right. That's our backdoor gargoyles right, pilot. Ice cream. All right. <laughs> we'll be Stone back Cold. with the gargoyles episodes, <laughs> Normies. But until then, live long, prosper. We've been your hosts. This is um, Zephrin Colin, of course. Nice. Uh, Lieutenant Mike Lee. And this is Jake Luke Picab. Thank you, Normies. Make it so. All right, well, this is the end of the episode. Not one minute more. We'll catch you next time. Thanks, Normies. You will be assimilated. (laughs) We make our stand here. We make our outro here. You broke your choice. Klingon. Coward. My name is Gandalf the Grey, and I'm imploring you to leave a like, share, and subscribe to this podcast. Don't keep it secret. Don't keep it safe. Don't take me as a conjurer of cheap tricks, and we'll catch you on the next episode of Normies Like Us. Fly, you fools.